Good evening. Time being 7 o'clock, I call the January 18th, 2023 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Recording in progress. Announcements from the chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone, or you may click the Zoom link that is on the posted agenda on the town's website. The phone number is 929-205-6099. And enter the meeting ID, which is 893-8814-1045. Then you need to hit the pound sign. Once again, the meeting ID is 893-8814-1045, pound. If residents are just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV. Next item on the agenda is citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in, in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks appropriate consideration and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Steve, you're already up. Just name and address, please. Sure. Thank you, Miss, Mr. Chair. Uh, Steve Sherlock, 10 Lawrence Drive, Community Information Director for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio. Uh, I missed doing this on the January 4th meeting, but I've caught up with the school committee and the FinCom and other meetings that I do participate in. I'm giving a friendly reminder as we start the new year, we are in a high-tech TV studio. And yes, it also is the council chambers and you conduct your business here. But as part of that business conduct, this is a recording studio. It's high tech. So there are microphones, high definition recording cameras, and the microphones are your input and clearly need to be used properly in order that when the recording is made, as you heard the announcement, and as the chair mentioned, it is live streamed. It goes out through cable, Comcast, and Verizon. It goes automatically to YouTube. There's a backup recording by my piece. So all the recordings are going out, but if you don't use your mic properly, nobody can hear you when the recordings are played back or during the meeting session. So if you're leaning back or looking the other way and you're not using the mic properly, 
It's kind of like when I was coaching a few years ago, my cross country, uh, not cross country, excuse me, my indoor track, outdoor track guys and girls at the time, I would say, you know, if you're running a relay race, the baton is the most important thing. Not you, because if the baton doesn't cross the starting line and finish at the finish line, the race doesn't count. You could run the best split in the world, but unless that baton crosses the finish line, no race. So while you're here and we appreciate your effort as a volunteer, because that's what I do as well, I volunteer. We appreciate your effort, hours of time, hours of preparation, hours spent in these meetings, working on our behalf. Thoroughly appreciate it. But just the friendly reminder to use the microphone properly so that all the rest of the staff, Chris and everybody else, can record properly and then everybody else watching now and or in the future can listen and hear what you're saying. Thank you, friendly reminder. Thank you, Steve. Everything you ever wanted to know about a microphone, you just heard. <laughs> In other words, speak into the microphones. Yes. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Please come forward, name and address, please. Can I give you guys some handouts? For sure. Thank you. Pamela Young, 59 West Street. Good evening, Tonsil Cow members. I am seeking your help in making our neighborhood safe. There are two parking spaces in front of my home on Mason Street in question. The upper part of Mason Street, which abuts, abuts West Street, has two spaces on each side right across from one another close to the corner. I have checked the other side streets around my neighborhood from High Street, which is a much wider street and only has parking on one side, all the way over to Arlington Street, and no other side streets have parking on both sides so close to the corner. In the packet I provided you, it shows how Mason Street now looks with parking spaces occupied by non-resident individuals. These spaces are mostly occupied 24-7. Mason Street is a family-oriented street which has a town park the neighborhood uses. We have kids riding their bikes, family walking their dogs, and going to the park. With parking the way it is now, it obstructs the view of the crosswalk along with the view of oncoming traffic. If a vehicle is coming up Nason and someone is turning onto Nason from west, there is a standstill and one of the vehicles needs to move to let the other go. I can tell you firsthand sometimes that does not happen as a friendly transaction, and some dangerous dual games are played on the road. If an emergency were to happen, no emergency vehicle coming from West Street could make the turn onto Nathan with both sides of the streets being occupied by cars. I am asking at least to have the two parking spaces removed in front of my home on Nathan Street. This will give pedestrians a much more view of the traffic on the road in the past few years, West and Mason Street have become a bit more traveled. Thank you so much for your consideration in making our neighborhood safer. Thank you, Pam. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? 
Okay, is there anyone out in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Not seeing anything. Jamie, you don't see anything, do you? Okay, moving on. Uh, next item on the agenda is approval of minutes. <clears throat> I'd entertain a motion to approve the minutes from January 4th, 2023. So moved. Second. Motion is second. Discussion, additions, deletions. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? <laughs> motion carries. Appointments, we don't have any this evening. Hearings, we don't have any this evening. License transaction, we have one. License modification, change of manager. NEP, OPS, T, LLC, doing business as residence in Boston Franklin, located at Forge 4, Forge Parkway, Franklin, Mass. 02038, clerk will read the license transaction. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is a license transaction for a change of manager for NDP OPS T LLC doing businesses residence in Boston Franklin for Forge Parkway, Franklin, Mass. 02038. Uh, NetOps T LLC doing businesses residence in Boston Franklin is seeking approval for change of manager on their subsection 12 innkeeper hotel. All alcoholic beverages license. This new manager will be Samantha Wood. All departments have signed off in this application, and this is a motion to approve the request by NetOptity LLC, doing business as residents in Boston Franklin, for a change of manager to Samantha Wood. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. <coughs> Jamie. Through Mr. Chairman, this is a uh, standard uh, procedure that all of you are familiar with, with the change of manager who is being transferred or proposed to, to uh, Samantha Wood. Samantha, uh, do I see you on Zoom? Yes, I am here. You just want to identify yourself and, uh, and what the council is voting on here tonight? Thank you. Sure. Um, so my name is Samantha Wood. I am the general manager at the residence in Franklin, Mass. Um, I have been in my position for about a year in Franklin. However, I have over 10 years experience in hotel and hospitality as well as running a bar. Um, and so we are looking to change the manager to, into my name from the previous manager. Thank you, Samantha. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve the change in manager at uh, NEPOPST LLC doing business as residence into Samantha Wood. All those in favor should signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Next item on the agenda, presentations and discussions. Our first this evening, ladies, please come forward. Uh, we have a one-year update from uh, Franklin Senior Center. Uh, Danielle Hopkins, our Senior Center Director, and Christina LaRose, who is the Deputy Director. Please welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This is a, a pleasure to be here, and uh, we're excited to share uh, our accomplishments from last year, as well as uh, kind of our vision of what the Senior Center looks like in the future, and uh, it'll ever be changing. Right. You ready? Let's do this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, first of all, we wanted to thank uh, not only you guys for listening to us tonight, but 
Um, as you guys know, it takes a village to get things done. You know, you guys hired us on, um, and we couldn't have done it without our staff. Uh, we have a few of them here tonight. Um, Ariel Doggett, who's our supportive day program coordinator. I'm trying to speak into the microphone. As well as uh, Trish Colados, who's our health and wellness nurse, um, and I believe a couple of them are on Zoom land as well. Yeah. Uh, we also would like to thank our FOFI Friends of Franklin Elders group. We have Joanne Wright, who is the president, Paula Lombardi, Margie Lane, Jan Prentice, and Jean Tolland. And then Rafter, as well as our COA board. We have the president, Bob Crowley. We have Faith Flaherty, Kim Muchow, and Robert Kaufman here present to support us. So we thank them and their efforts supporting us. And uh, of course, to the community and our seniors, you know, we can't do it without them and all the town departments. Jamie has been huge, Karen Bratt, um, Alicia when she was here, Mark, thank you as well. So I think the thank yous are done. <laughs> All right, so we had a lot of stuff, a lot of fun things happening in 2022, um, and just kind of wanted to highlight the main big programs uh, that happened. Um, to just to name a few, Eat Around the World was probably our biggest uh, program that we had every Wednesday in August. Uh, we picked a different country, and we learned about the country, and then we ate food from that country by our chef, Ann. Um, and it was delicious and nutritious, not necessarily, um, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, people learned a lot about the different uh, countries. Uh, Senior Olympics, we had uh, 85, 85 yeah, athletes, yeah. uh, 15 events, um, and a great time. <laughs> um, so that was a lot of fun. We were able to go to Gillette Stadium uh, and work with the Foxborough Senior Center. Um, and we're going to try to repeat that every year from now on. It was cool to see everyone in the blue Franklin Senior Center shirts around. Uh, we do pizza and movie nights. Uh, there's some evening programs that are happening now. Uh, last Thursday, we showed the new George Clooney and Julia Roberts movie. We had 90 people there uh, for pizza and a movie. So it's becoming more popular. The Rainbow Cafe. Uh, we wanted to make a safe space for the LGBTQ plus uh, community, both members and allies, um, and Ariel. Um, and I kind of started that, and it's kind of grown from there, uh, connecting with Dean College as well as the, the local schools as well. Um, and lots of other things. Winter Wonderland was, was nice. And I'm sure you, I know, I saw you, Tom, there. Um, but we're, we're excited that we have all these programs, and we're excited to, to add more to our list. <coughs> Uh, so this next slide is just a great example of, I know you're not going to be able to read all the details, but this is on the left-hand side, you're going to see this was the old calendar that we were working with. Uh, it was a great calendar, but a lot of the programs, you might be able to tell, were a little bit repetitive. There wasn't a lot of evening programs, and also you weren't really able to plan ahead. Um, so we were able, Danielle and I were able to uh, kind of generate a new calendar that actually just looks like a Monday through Friday calendar where people can, in fact, plan ahead for the month, um, get a little bit more detail about the programs. But in addition, you're going to notice that we've also added some evening programming um, and just some different programs. We've added some new exercise programs, um, some new programs. Um, that collaborate with some of the stakeholders in the community to offer subsidized or free programs. Um, a lot of nice lectures have come through. So we're really happy with the new product and we've recently were able to launch a 12-page newsletter that's now in color. And that's in front of you, just to give you a... <laughs> sure. 
perfect. Um, <laughs> on top of all these programming highlights, um, we've had many other accomplishments. Uh, this year we were able to reopen and revamp the Common Grounds Cafe, which we're so proud of. Uh, we outfitted the Common Grounds Cafe with new tables and chairs. Uh, these, the tables and chairs that were there had you know, served their purpose for many years, but were starting to crack and the chairs unfortunately could no longer be cleaned. So through the Friends of Franklin Elders, they sponsored and paid for new tables and chairs. It was um, you know, a labor of love getting some new furniture in there. Um, it's been very well received. Um, in addition to revamping the cafe, we were able to hire a new full-time um, chef and kitchen manager, Ann Scangio. She's been very well received and putting on some new programs for us, and we were able to come up with a new menu. But in addition to Ann, we were also able to hire two part-time line cooks, Loretta as well as Marilyn, and that has just been a great addition and has allowed us the opportunity to pull Ann away from the kitchen a little bit more and have her soon to start to do new programs with the seniors. We're hoping for some nutrition classes as well as maybe some uh, cooking classes, maybe cooking for one, different ideas in that regard. So we're really excited to see what comes of that. Um, we've worked with, uh, let's see, we've worked with Dean College and Tri-County to host um, students for internships. We've had a lot of success there. We're really happy to see those partnerships bloom. We have established a community intervention team where we're working with local organizations uh, together to provide resources to the community, talk about problems that are occurring that we're all seeing and try to strategize on different ways to implement some change. Uh, we've obtained a credit card processing system and many other things as you can see. All right, so senior centers, we're not just bingo anymore. <laughs> um, we have a lot of people that come through the door and go, my mom won't come, she's not a senior. Well, how old's your mom? 92. Ma'am, you're a senior. <laughs> um, you're a senior at 55 to 105. So we're, we're you know, working with the vast array of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in for a while. You're in for a while. Uh, so, you know, there's something for everyone from social services uh, we have to programs to fitness uh, to nutrition. We have a gift shop. We, you can get your hair cut there, podiatry, you name it, we have it. And if we don't have it, let us know and we can look for it. Um, so we just, we want to start thinking about how we can market ourselves and make sure people know, you know, that all the stuff that we have. <laughs> So I'd like to just quote, uh, Danielle and I went to the Fall Mass Councils on Aging Conference and during that conference somebody said, if you've seen one senior center, you've seen one senior center. Every center is quite unique in its own way, um, all with different programs and services, but all with the same goal to tr try to provide um, you know, promotion of active aging and aging in place. I think we're very lucky for the building that we have. Everybody that comes through our doors is just so enamored with the size of the building, the programs that we're offering, and I just really have to thank the town for thinking forwardly. I mean, if you build it, they will come. You guys built it, and you built it well, and big enough for us to offer so many programs, and I think it's those programs that we're offering that allows us to have more people attend these events. Um, I, I just also have to say it's been great having the veteran services in our building, Shannon and Deborah. Having that department in our building is really boosting uh, the people that we're touching and it's allowing us to engage new people in programming. Um, they've put on a great program called Tune It Out that happens on Tuesday nights where veterans get together and play guitar. 
I have to tell you, I've never seen so many veterans in one space, varying ages, all coming together to do one program, and people that have never picked up an instrument before that are just coming together for that camaraderie. Uh, in addition to that, they've had a wildly successful coffee social that happens once a month that I've just, bar to none, I've never seen such good attendance at a program that way. Um, in addition, we're also very lucky to have the public health department, Alicia and Casilla. They've been a wealth of knowledge. We're able to go to them with any problems or questions. And the community also feels really lucky to have that in the sense that they can now you know, confide in them too if they have any questions and just know that we have some answers right at our fingertips. So overall, just again, we're just so lucky for the space and the, the staff we have in the building. Um, this next uh, slide is an infographic that was put on through the Tufts Health Foundation. We wanted to share this with you just because we thought it had a lot of great information. Um, you know, some interesting facts on the slide is 15% of people in Massachusetts are 65 years or older. So if you're thinking about that, that's quite a bit of the population that we're looking to serve. Um, three out of 10 older adults have been diagnosed with depression. Um, and, you know, as the slide says, where you live matters. This is true because access to health care, transportation, social, and social services allows our older adults the option to age in place. And that enriches our community, making it more diverse and more attractive community for those looking to remain in town. And we consider ourselves a hub for meeting these needs and helping our seniors remain in our community, and that's one of our primary goals. So this is actual data that we take. We use a application called My Senior Center. When you walk in the, the door, you have to kind of sign in. And this is where that data comes uh, true. Mind you, that means people actually have to sign in to get accurate data, and the data that's inputted has to be accurate. I think there were over 300 people with uh, January 1st, 1900 birthdays <laughs> that I tried to change around a little bit to do this presentation. So unless everyone, you know, was born in 1900, uh, some of it's a little off, but uh, the big main point here is we had almost 600 new members uh, last year. Um, alone. Mind you, COVID probably had something to do with that. Um, if you see the numbers on the right, you know, in January, we had about 73 people walk through the door. Come the fall, that was up to 166, 165. So it's pretty much doubled. And that's per day. And that's per day, yeah. Um, so just some interesting facts. We do uh, serve mostly in town. Um, it's about 80% there. Um, but we are open to community members outside of our town as well. We want to make sure every senior has a place to go. All right, so enough about what we've done. <laughs> uh, now for the future. So when we were hired, uh, Jamie talked to us about a strategic plan, kind of our vision uh, for the senior center. Um, you hired a, a deputy director as well as a director, whether you, you knew you were going to or not. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, but we uh, decided, you know, we can't really look at a vision for the senior center. We're still getting our feet on the ground. Let's reach out to the community. So in April, we came up with a strategic planning survey and we sent it out. Uh, we had our 90-year-old greeters attack people as they walked through the door to make sure they filled it out um, in all of love and care. Um, we also had office hours, open door policy, um, and we tried talking to the community as much as possible, um, which was very successful. We had a lot of good feedback. Um, some we cannot do, but some we can do. Um, and then we kind of took that information um, and we brought it to the, our COA in full feet um, and did a SWOT in the fall. You know, looked at our strengths, our weaknesses, our obstacles, and our threats. And we divided the senior center in 11 into 11 different categories, which you see up there. Kind of the main ca categories, they kind of overlap a little bit, 
um, but that's part of being a senior center. Uh, Karen Alves, um, Aaron Rogers, and the previous directors gave us a good base to start with. We have a beautiful senior center, thanks to you guys for building uh, this beautiful facility, um, and we just kind of ran with it. Um, and Karen actually did write a strategic plan back in 2012, but I don't know if any of you have ever saw it. So <laughs> we did look at that too, and uh, our, we kind of aligned with that. Um, attached to this agenda was also a 13-page kind of more specific vision um, that kind of goes into more detail, but we don't want to be here all night, so we kind of took the main points, and that's what you're going to see right now. <laughs> So starting off with, of course, our staffing administration and our volunteers. We had over 100,000 hours of volunteerism. Uh, we work with tax work off volunteers. Um, it's, it's a huge part of how the Senior Center runs. If you look at the cafe, most of them are, are volunteers. Um, so I think a big part of it is just ensuring that everyone's adequately trained, everyone has the knowledge uh, to support the mission of the Franklin Senior Center. Um, when you walk through the door, you get the same answers. You know, we're all cross-trained. Everyone kind of knows where to go to, who to go to, um, and where to get that information. Um, as well as, uh, right now we're hiring two full-time positions, Sue Barber as well as Maggie Gunderson had left us back in November, so we're, uh, next week we have interviews for the social worker position, and the following week we'll be doing the program volunteer coordinator position, so hopefully by March we have those two full-time jobs, fingers crossed, legs crossed, and everything else. Um, and then we just want to provide ongoing training for our staff to hone in their skills, whether it be dementia training, whether it be going to conferences, networking, um, stuff like that. We want to make sure that they're learning and they're continuing their growth in their careers. Um, as far as programming and amenities, obviously hiring a full-time program volunteer coordinator is going to be the top of our list. Um, we're working on adding more afternoon and evening programming. Um, we're going to be looking at continuing to partner with local organizations um, to provide these subsidized programs and a variety of different programs that people are looking for. Obviously, we're not just, you know, we're not seniors ourselves, uh, so we're going to be looking for community input as well as trying to figure out how to evaluate these programs. You know, if a program's not doing so hot and it's costing us, you know, an arm and a leg to put it on, maybe that's not the program for us and maybe we can figure out a different way to do it. Um, and then, of course, on here is get a bus, but we do have a transportation section that we're going to talk about that later. All right, um, so um, I'd like to talk a little bit about social services. I think a lot of people just don't quite understand what is social services, what do we do in social services. Our main goal is to help the residents of the Franklin community. You have to be a Franklin member to participate in our social services. Um, but really we run the gamut of all different programs. Um, a large program that's happening right now is fuel assistance and that happens throughout the heating season. We help a local organization called Self Help. We're kind of a satellite office. Uh, all different councils on aging in the area um, assist with this application because their um, their network is so wide and they help so many different towns. So we um, assist in that program and that helps people um, with a benefit for their oil, gas, or electric. Even if heat is included in your rent, you still might be eligible. And that's a program we help um, you know with the paperwork and we help with all of the requirements to getting all that handed in. Uh, we assist with mass health applications, Medicare information, housing applications, SNAP, food stamp benefits. Uh, we provide ongoing case management to help people who might not be able to manage some of these benefits or manage the paperwork that's involved. Um, we refer, excuse me, provide referrals um, to programs like legal services, in-home services, elder care, home care, protective services. Um, 
assist in homebound individuals and in finding resources. We're doing home visits if need be. Uh, mental health support and resources. Um, our goal would be to provide an up-to-date resource guide that would include all the resources that we have in our community. We're working on that presently. We're working on an old, off of an old guide, but some of that information just is not up-to-date and that's something you really have to stay on top of. So it's quite the undertaking, but we're hoping too with hiring the new social services person that um, you know, between all of us, we can come up with a good guide, and that's really going to help alleviate some of the pressure on the department and maybe other departments where we can hand out this guide. And you know, there's some information right there. Um, we'd also like to make a resource center in the senior center to help display some brochures, unbiased information and opinions where people can kind of shop around for their own information should they like that. Um, we're really seeing that the needs are increasing. Um, there are more people without housing. There's more people struggling to afford the housing that they're in. Um, people are needing more financial assistance and there's been more mental health issues in the area. So we're, we're excited to hire somebody who can you know, assist in that process and hoping that some of these goals and objectives would help alleviate some of those concerns. Um, we did used to have one and a half social services coordinators and the goal would be eventually to get to hire two full-time social workers to accommodate the growing need. Um, shifting directions, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Common Grounds Cafe. Um, there's been a lot of interest in nutrition and cooking classes and now with, like I said, the two part-time line cooks were able to accommodate this. So we're also going to be start bringing back the Eat Around the World. We're going to move that to a once a month program. We already have that slated for next month and it's already full with a, a very large waiting list. So the, the excitement is there. We're going to be working with Anne to, like I said, start some classes uh, a little bit more one-on-one. -on -one. Um, a goal would be to obtain a credit card. Uh, presently, we don't have um, a credit card for the department. We're having to buy some of the produce. Um, that come, we might not be able to need bulk items, so it's been great working with the school department and it's great we're working with Cisco, but some of those items have to be bought in bulk or we might run out on the day or we might have a party and we have to go out and buy special things, so having a credit card would assist um, in some of that and there would not be a need to be reimbursed. Um, and a great feature that we've been able to continue and would like to keep um, expanding is a program we call Ben's Bucks. And it's essentially a gift certificate um, that we use in our cafe. Our friends of Franklin Elders have sponsored $500 thus far for us to use for people who maybe are less fortunate, come to the cafe, forgot their wallet, you know, embarrassed to ask for help, uh, whatever the case may be, we're able to hand out these gift certificates at our discretion. Um, our cafe assistants are able to spot the people who might need some assistance. Our social services department as well is able to hand these out and spot the need. Um, but also, it's a really great, uh, it has some anonymity to it. Um, there's, uh, nobody quite knows how you get these gift certificates. We give them away as prizes sometimes to entice people to use the cafe. Um, sometimes they're handed out during bingo. Um, there's all different ways that you can get a Ben's Bucks. You can purchase a Ben's Bucks. So it's really a great program. Um, to date, since November, we've used $100 of the FOFI funds. So again, we really like to thank them and help it's really helped a lot of people get through um, you know, a tough time. So I think we're going to look forward to keeping that program going and maybe expanding it. All right. So health and wellness, a big part of aging in place is to can you continue to move your body. Um, and we have that at the senior center, uh, but continuing to increase that. Uh, we not only have a health and wellness nurse, we have kind of a satellite office of the health department, Alicia and uh, Cassia. 
Um, and they're providing community education on various illnesses, neuropathy. We're doing a hands-on CPR class next uh, month. Um, so continuing to provide you know, interesting, up-to-date, and current information uh, to people to keep them well-educated. Uh, as it's pictured up there, that is our gym at the Senior Center. Um, we actually have reached out and are working with the Adirondack Club to hopefully provide new and updated equipment or they can kind of help fix the bikes um, and stuff like that. You know, one of our goals might be to, you know, look to see if there's another space to make a bigger gym, you know, with the health and wellness area. Um, nothing set in stone, um, but with our fitness classes, we're doing one in the morning, one in the afternoon, if not more. We're trying to, you know, see who, you know, Judy and Susan Winters, we have Tai Chi, we have line dancing, um, all the different things. We're just trying to see what, what's out there, what we can provide, and make sure it's subsidized too. You know, you can come and do a class for $3. So there you go. <laughs> Stay healthy. Um, and of course, you know, applying to grants. Christine and I are going to be looking into more grants to see how we can continue to provide these subsidized programs. Um, to support a day program, so we're very lucky that we have a Sunshine Club, our adult supportive day program. It's five days a week um, and full days. Uh, we have Ariel as well as Donna Haynes and Kathleen Lauren uh, who help run that. Um, and this is such a huge asset to our community um, as well as the Senior Center. It's very well run. The staff are well trained. Most of them are tax work off uh, volunteers. Um, and uh, we work with Tri-Valley Elder Services. Um, they kind of help uh, subsidize uh, some of the scholarships for that program. Um, it helps bring in money to the Senior Center to help provide these opportunities um, as well. So I think our goal here is to keep advocating and educating about dementia and Alzheimer's. Unfortunately, it's not gonna go away. The FDA did just approve an Alzheimer's drug, but uh, who knows where that's gonna go. Um, but it's not gonna go away, so the more uh, dementia friendly we are the more educated and the dementia experts that we are becoming a certified dementia practitioner um, and going from there uh, contract with, contracting with additional elder services such as HESCO to provide some elder services to not just you know we have Franklin we have Tri-Valley but to other communities that need it um, are going to help this program continue to blossom so <coughs> almost there fiscal and budget of course working with you working with our Franklin uh, Friends of Franklin Elders to provide more uh, fundraising opportunities to provide a lot of these subsidized programs. You know, nothing is more than $5, $6 at the Senior Center, um, and we like to keep it that way. You know, we have our monthly parties where you get, you know, full hour entertainment, a huge meal, um, and a lot of fun. Uh, six bucks, you know, you can't find that anywhere else. Uh, so then we want to keep that that way. You know, you go and you have a full-on breakfast for three to five dollars, you know, and it's it's good. You know, it's not, it <laughs> yeah, it's hand-cooked. <laughs> um, and we want to keep that going. So, you know, we want to keep collecting more accurate data to support the need for more funding, you know, to, to look at grants, to provide that funding, um, and to go from there. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, oh, I think I missed the facility and space. Of course, we've talked about how beautiful our space is. Um, we noticed that uh, one of our entrances does not have a sign, so that might be a, <laughs> a, a something to improve on, <laughs> just because we get the calls of, where are you guys located? We go, oh, you know where St. Mary's is, you know where the common is? We're right there. If you, you hit horse man, you've gone too far. Um, our other sign, too, especially for doing evening or afternoon programs, 
it's dark out, it's not lit up. So, you know, to just kind of improve our signage. And right now it's, uh, it still says, I think, Winter Wonderland on there, which happened in December. So gotta go out there and change. It's not easy to change. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're gonna keep continue looking at the furniture, make sure it's safe, updating it. We did the tables and chairs this year. Um, we're looking at organizing and decluttering all the closets. We have a lot of stuff. We have some good space, but we just wanna declutter. Um, and we also want to digitize files. Karen was good at keeping everything, um, but now we're in the technology age that we can make it digital and we can make it more accessible. Um, and just look, keep looking at the space, whether it be at the bigger gym, uh, pickleball, you know, need for computer labs, all that fun stuff. So to talk about a little bit about transportation, honestly, transportation is a big part of our our success, especially as people get older. Um, it, it's important to make sure that they have the transportation to get them where they need to go. Uh, we have a great opportunity in town. We're working with GATRA, who's our, our regional transportation authority. We'd like to continue to work with them to provide subsidized rides to and from the senior center. But honestly, the need is so great that even GATRA, you know, sometimes can't keep up. We're also not exactly able to do individualized programming um, like the seniors are asking for. The seniors want trips, they want field trips, they want day trips, they want group trips, they want outings. So getting a bus would really be helpful in promoting those ideas. Um, so in an attempt to get a bus, we have applied to um, a DOT Community Transit Authority grant. And um, we're hoping to hear back. It is a very competitive grant. Lots of communities apply to that grant. Um, so we did apply in hopes that we could get it. We won't hear back um, about that grant until March. And the bus, if we were awarded the bus, would not come um, until fiscal year 24. But um, that does give us some time to plan what does our transportation program look like. And I think it does look like um, having some medical transportation. Right now, GATRA does not provide um, consistent transportation to the two local hospitals, being Milford Regional and Sturdy Memorial. I think there's only one day a week you can get to Milford, and I don't think they go to Sturdy Memorial at all. So uh, that is a, a goal in that regard. Um, but additionally, maybe some group shopping trips. I've seen great success at other senior centers doing that. It also would alleviate some of the pressure on GATRA to take people if they're just taking one person to Walmart and then again having to take another person to Walmart. Uh, there's a lot of great success in having the group trips, some camaraderie, some socialization. Um, in addition to that, maybe some, some outings in terms of uh, maybe a, a group luncheon outing once a month, maybe uh, a group field trip in the nicer weather. We could plan um, small local outings to um, engaging places, as well as our, as our supportive day program. Um, they've been able to use GATRA a few times to go on field trips, and they'd like to continue that. Uh, that's a picture there of our supportive day program going to the museum in town, the historical museum, and they just had a blast. So we would love to continue to do programs like that. But in order to have transportation, we would have to hire a driver and implement a sustainable system to utilize the bus. Um, most, senior, most senior centers do have their own bus, so I think we have a little bit of bus envy, and we would like to keep up with that and keep ahead of the, pro, um, the times that way. Um, and then in terms of marketing, um, with the hiring of a program and volunteer coordinator, there'll be more time to do this. We've had a lot of success on our social media, we just need more time in the day, and we need more hands to do the work. So we'd like to continue those efforts in our outreach and um, reach more people in the community, let more people know where we are and what we do. We'd like to continue to work on flyers. 
newspapers, networking. We'll keep um, utilizing uh, our community and we would like to continue to make them aware of what we offer. We'd also like to keep working on the website, getting it up to date, um, keeping it informative, and try to make it a little bit more user-friendly. Awesome. All right, so this was Danielle and I at the Mass Councils on Aging Conference that I mentioned earlier. Uh, it was three days of a lot of information, uh, many meetings, many uh, discussions, a lot of new information to bring back. Um, we'd like to continue to learn and be able to advocate and outreach and network. Uh, this is all going hand in hand with marketing and we want to be um, a resource and advocate for our aging population. We'd like to continue to partner and work with local and state officials and organizations. Um, presently we have a coffee hour monthly with our local and state officials to speak with the seniors in the community and we find this incredibly beneficial and well received. We'd like to continue to provide programs like that. Um, we'd like to continue to educate our community on what a senior center is and what it is not and what it does provide. I think there's a lot of misnomers out there. Like we said, it's not just bingo. It's so many other things. It still is bingo, but it's educational programs, it's exercise programs, it's programs to talk about when do you downsize, when do you sell your home, what do you do when you sell your home, it's, it's social services. Um, and we'd like to continue to gain more awareness of what the needs are of our seniors in our community so we can keep working on this document. This is really a working document and we'd like to keep reevaluating because these needs are ever changing. And that's kind of it. <laughs> um, thank you guys. Thank you for all your Christina, uh, a great presentation, a great update as to uh, where we are. Questions or comments from the council, but before I do that, Jamie? Through Chairman to the council. So just really quickly, um, I just want to reemphasize for everybody, you know, and bring people just back for a second. This is only one year, right? You know, a year ago, uh, as all of you know, you know, things uh, were looking a little down at the senior center with a big transition. It was very tense, stressful. wasn't a lot to do. Um, and Karen and, and the staff and I, you know, tried to stay uh, steady on the mission for what was needed. Um, and you know, I, I really, truly, after a year. Um, couldn't have imagined that the situation worked out better. And um, you know, just also looking in the audience with the staff and uh, the friends and the Council on Aging, and everybody gathered. One of the things I did ask them to do, they kind of touched on, was to really engage a lot of these uh, folks that um, you know had been a part of the Senior Center for a long time, obviously, and had done incredible volunteerism work. But um, you know, Danielle and Christina have obviously brought a whole new vision to the Senior Center. Um, and uh, they've done an unbelievable job. So uh, we're very grateful that both of them have come, uh, chosen to come to Franklin and share their vision and their energy. And obviously, uh, the seven-year action plan that's in front of me is going to be expensive. Uh, but I want to also remind everybody, it's a seven-year plan, not a one-month plan. Uh, but if we gave them the task to do it earlier, I'm sure they would knock it out of the park. So uh, I just want to congratulate them. and. Uh, the friends, the Council on Aging, all the volunteers and everybody at the Senior Center and all the staff for uh, an incredible year and uh, we look forward to more in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the Council? Councilor Sheridan. Uh, thank you for that great presentation and thank you for all you do. But I'm just kind of curious, when you say educate the uh, community, 
what is seeing is not the not? You said you used to tell what it is and what it's not. What do people think it is? And so I think it is not just a place that people just come and sit around. It's not, um, I think, this misconception that people aren't active, people aren't engaged. So I think that really is the mission and the education piece that a lot of people come in thinking they're not old enough or they, you know, they don't see the value in the senior center, but all of a sudden they come in and they realize, oh my gosh, wait a minute, my neighbor's here, or I know this person, and they start realizing that the programs that we're offering are, are also educational. There are fun programs that for recreation, but it is also a place to educate yourself. It's a place for resources, so I think just trying to get rid of some of those misnomers about what a senior center is. Um, so I think that is more or less what it's not. It's not just a, a frumpy place where people are kind of sitting around <laughs> not doing anything, you know? Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Make sure I'm speaking into the mic correctly. <laughs> and thank, thank you for the presentation. Um, I just want to comment Every time I visit the senior center, there is a vibrancy there. There is laughter. There is people engaged in every room in the cafeteria. They're doing the jazzercise in one room. They're out here doing a puzzle. They're arguing politics in another room. But everybody's friendly. The staff is knowledgeable and welcoming. Uh, so kudos to you for, for that. It truly is a wonderful uh, facility. It's a wonderful thing that we're able to do for our seniors. And I just want to congratulate you on opening your doors up to others in the community in need. Because the fact that we have residents that can come to you with social needs that maybe aren't seniors, whether they're looking for housing, they're looking for connectivity to food or mental illness or whatever their issues are, I know that you go out of your way to help them and to try to connect them to the right services and a lot of those people would have nowhere else to go. So thank you for that and uh, certainly thank you for the Rainbow Cafe. I've gone a few times. Um, I know that that's a new program, um, but people are coming from all over. It's not just from Franklin and other senior center directors are coming envious of that and saying how can we get something like this going in our town. Uh, so thank you for, for what you do with that as well. Thank you, Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. Town Administrator, not a too great highest. <laughs> too great highest. <laughs> Feel that energy, really appreciate that. You guys are awesome. Um, actually, this is another Jamie question. Do we have a, a full-time custodian or a part-time one down there? Please, it's part. Number we have two, two part-time custodians. Okay, so you have two people, because as I say, you definitely need a full-time mm -hmm. guy, but if you have two. Yeah. We have Scott and Rich, and they, they do a nice job. We want to keep that building up, because yeah. <laughs> now, you, like you just said, you're using it at night. I mean, if we remember, we even did one of our candidate nights there. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, it's, it's everything. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty exciting. And lastly, you spoke about that seven-year plan. The uh, school population is declining, so maybe eventually some of that money could head over to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you appreciate that. <laughs> thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Pellegrini. I just wanted to say thank you for your presentation. It was wonderful. I'm sure you put a lot of time into it, and we so much enjoyed listening to you. 
I do go up there and see people all the time, and I play cards up there. And I've had the opportunity to meet so many new people. Now, I've lived here all my life, and still meeting some of them. But you know what I'm finding? That a lot of the, um, the women, they have moved here from another community and moved in with their children. So that might be something you'd like to look into, you know, having a, an evening of the, um, their families coming in and seeing what brought them to Franklin and that. That would, that would be a good one. Um, very surprised that I've met so many people from out of town. You know, we're playing cards and I'll say, oh, you know, if, if they don't know who I am, which is seldom, uh, because I've been involved with politics for so long, but they'll say, what did you say your name was? And then I'll ask, have you lived in Frank? Oh, no, we just moved here, you know, in with my son and my daughter. Um, and it's great. They moved, and where they were, their senior centers were nothing like Franklin. And I hear that every single time that I'm in there. You know, and in fact, I probably shouldn't say this, but one of the ladies said to me that they had three of them that were kicked out of the senior center because they gave um, some ideas of what they could do in there. They compared it to Franklin. <laughs> All right? And uh, I said, don't worry about it. Come here to Franklin. We're thrilled to have you. And you may be getting a surprise as far as for a B-U-S. <laughs> We're going to wrap it for you, Jeff. <laughs> 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 big bow on top. It has to come before the council and all, but it's something that I'm sure you would. I'd love to get you a coach bus. It's a Volkswagen <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, thank you so much. We were so worried. You know, Karen leaving, and she did a wonderful job. We were so happy to have her. And Sue Barber. Um, and you're always afraid to get somebody new in. But you proved us, proved to us, rather that there are people like yourselves out there looking for jobs and can do a wonderful, wonderful job, and the two of you are doing that. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. And I can't imagine anybody in Franklin not knowing Councilor Pellegrini. <laughs> 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 Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. No, really, really. Um, Danielle, Christina. Thank you so much for your presentation tonight. It is amazing what you've done in a year. I can't, I, we're looking through that slideshow and I, I'm like, it's only been a year. And what you've done is amazing. My neighbors go all the time and um, they, they catch me and they tell me how wonderful everything is. Um, and so, and they really, really enjoy the Olympics. So I think, I think maybe I might want to join the Olympics next year. We could all they were some of our gold, number, gold medal winners, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we should all do it. Um, but those of us that can, that are lucky enough to be old enough to do it. That's a smile on Frangillo's face. You can't do it. I do have a question about your dementia program. Sure. Um, is there any thought about, I don't know, like what you actually do for it, or if there's like any like in-home in visits when people can no longer come to the senior center? 
Has there been thoughts about that? So there used to be a program called uh, Companion Caregiver. Um, unfortunately, when we came on board, uh, my background, I used to be a memory care director. Um, so I've worked with many in-house respite care uh, programs, and it sounded like it was a successful program beforehand. Uh, we sat down, we worked with Mark, we worked with other COAs that have somewhat of a similar program, um, friendly visitor program, um, and some of the liability uh, is kind of the red flag there. Uh, there's a lot of red tape. Uh, we're trying to, we were trying to figure out a contract. We used Bullrickas. Um, we worked with them to try to see if we could manipulate it a little bit, um, and we just got the advice to kind of put it on pause right now, um, just because of all the liabilities that could happen. So it's unfortunate, but it's it's something that we haven't, you know, fully taken off the table. But we're just we're trying to use our creative brains to try to figure out another way to help those homebound um, or those in need. Yeah, I'm sure if there's a way. You guys will figure it out. And we have been able to refer um, Tri Valley Elder Services. There are local ASAP. There are local elder services that provide in-home care, and it is. Um, fee-based in the sense that it's on a sliding scale based on your income. So we're able to refer a lot of people to different programs through them as well as private vetted agencies. And I think that's really been the issue. I think the town providing the service is is a little unique in the sense mm -hmm. that we would be hiring people to go into your home to provide care where these agencies vet um, you know, their employees, they go through training, they have their own insurance and they're specialized in that. So we're really feeling a lot more comfortable referring people to agencies like Tri-Valley or other private agencies that provide that service and at least trying to help connect people to those resources. Our social services department as well will do in-home visits, you know, should the need arise that you can't get to the senior center, you're more comfortable in your homes, so we're happy to do those kind of assessments. But I think at least at this time, we feel more comfortable um, referring to other agencies that specialize in that kind of care. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for, for that. <coughs> Thank you. It's a great question. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Danielle, this is an excellent presentation. And I'm sure, as we kind of take it back, uh, Councilor Hamlin, I'm sure the respite coordinator between yourselves will be able to come up with some working program. And it's been a great program for years. It would be excellent to see that program uh, continue. Um, my history with senior center is kind of funny because I'm new to town. I actually technically, is, as my chairman likes to refer to me, will never technically be a Franklinite because I came here in 1998. He's a toonie. Townie wannabe. Townie <laughs> wannabe. But for a long time, I considered myself to be a really good cribbage player. And I could be pretty much everyone in my family. <clears throat> And I figured, you know, I need a really good challenge. So back in about 2007, 2008, I noticed that the Franklin Senior Center was offering cribbage nights, typically around 6 o'clock on Mondays back then. And I said, well, let's go down and check this out. So I went down to the Senior Center, and I walked in. They had about 14 seniors in the back room, and they were all loud and hustling. And I walk in, the place all of a sudden went to crickets. Because who's this young kid walking in the Senior Center? And I'm still young, so I'm really not 55 yet. I look 55, but I'm not 55 yet. And I walked in, I sat down, and they, I've never been so welcome and greeted by such a wonderful group of people in my life as it was by the group of playing cribbage that night. But I will admit that not only did I feel welcome, but absolutely embarrassed by the fact that I learned I know absolutely nothing about it. 
Because they destroyed me. And it is absolutely humiliating and humbling at the same time. And one of, one of my favorite parts about all the many entities that make up the town of Franklin, the Senior Center is by far one of my favorite places. It is by, we talk about the, we were talking about the library last night. I consider the Senior Center to be like an extension of the library. If you really want to know what the town history, the town history is, you want to know about something that you're not familiar with, I've always found it best to just go down to Senior Center uh, strike up a conversation with the senior, get them talking, and just sit back and listen. And never in my life have I had a better resource than them. And, and, and Karen Elvez did a great job, and it must have been difficult for you both to kind of take the reins over from her, but you've done a really good job in the past year. And I thank you for a wonderful presentation and helping to continue such a great program in all the different programs at the same time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor DeLocco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I also want to, it's a great presentation, and uh, kudos to you because every time, more and more now, every time somebody calls me and asks me for something, I'm sending them to you down the senior center, and it, it's just funny, you know, fuel assistance, and actually myself, which I don't know if people know this, my, but uh, <clears throat> my wife cracked her kneecap, and we needed a wheelchair, and they called Jamie, Jamie said, go to the senior center. They, they have, they have uh, wheelchairs, walkers, and everything like that. that that's awesome. You know, I, I didn't know what to do, you know? And uh, I, I do have to get that back to you, too. But I might need it back when I get my knees. So, so, uh, so uh, but uh, yeah, great. Everyone I send is on there. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting to retirement. And, retiring probably sometime in May or June. So if you see me down there a lot playing cards or pool or whatever, and you, you feel free. I'm not like Hansel Plug. You, you can say, you've been here long enough. You can leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you can do that and I'll leave. So, but uh, on the other hand, if you do get a BUS, um, <laughs> if you do, um, I'm eligible to drive everything in New Massachusetts except for an airplane and a motorcycle. Well, so if you want to volunteer, especially if they need to go to Twin Rivers on Mahiki, I would gladly drive. I volunteer. Yeah. You guys did a great job of doing this. We got that on the microphone. Thank you, Councilor Delarco. Is there anyone in the audience that has a comment or a question? Out in Zoom land, ladies, in closing, I just obviously like to echo my fellow counselors' thoughts and a great presentation. Uh, I remember very well uh, when we built that, the senior center. I was fortunate enough to be the chairman of the building committee, finally chaired a building committee that I could use. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when we built it, and when the first architectural uh, uh, designs came out, people asked, how are we going to fill this place? How are we going to use all the space that's there? And we made a decision to uh, do the second floor, but just rough it, because there were, we didn't have any idea whether we would uh, be able to fill 
uh, and utilize all the space that we were building. In a matter of three, three or four years, we were uh, we were expanding and redoing or doing the uh, second floor, and now you're coming looking for more space. Uh, That's true. And enough space. And uh, a few of us. Be careful what you ask. Uh, but. In addition to that, I can tell you that for one, uh, my mother, who is 94, who at 93 decided she was old enough to go to the senior center. And she's now there three or four days a week and absolutely loves every program that's going on there. And I think that's uh, from everybody that we've heard from as counselors. Uh, the Senior Center is one of our gems. And the energy that you two have brought to that center is just <clears throat> inspiring for all of us. Thank so thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. agenda is one of our favorite presenters, uh, but is a discussion and an update on our stormwater utility. And I think our DPW director, as well as some of the staff are here. Peter Great, he knows everything about water. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank Amy? You. Thank you. So, uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, just, um, just to set the stage, so this, we're on a road here, maybe a river. Um, uh, tonight's discussion is on a couple items I outlined in the memo for the council and the folks at home. Um, obviously, anything that folks want to ask, the stormwater staff are here. But the real couple goals of tonight's meeting, just to try to focus the conversation, uh, Kate the Great Silberg uh, and Derek are going to go through, uh, for all the folks watching at home, we understand that everybody got a notice in their bill recently, uh, and, and, uh, and, and I think there's been a lot of questions, which is absolutely great. Um, but what Kate and Derek are going to do, um, Kate's going to walk everybody through, who's watching at home or watching uh, on Zoom, how you find out exactly how to use the map and how each person and each property owner in town can find how much impervious coverage and what the fee might be okay, for their parcel. And just so everybody knows, because we know everybody does it already, yes, you can look up everybody else's too. Um, there is a zoning map. Everybody can look up everybody else's property. It's been there for years. It's okay. <laughs> Um, and so we're going to walk through and let anybody ask any questions about what citizens, particularly uh, the senior center or anybody, may have questions on what that is. And then the second goal tonight, which many of you, all of you, have asked at one point or another, what about the credits and how do I get a credit off my bill? And I get that. Um, and so uh, I attached to the memo um, in the packet the draft credit manual. If anybody has any suggestions, ideas, or questions, now would be a great time to ask them tonight. So. I'll now pass it over to Bruce and the team to take it away. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Chairman. 
Yeah, I just want to say, uh, this is Kate Schoenberg. She's not actually the GIS, I mean, she is the GIS person, not just Stormwater. We've been working together for seven years and- uh, Oh, it's 10, uh, next 10. month. And she's just a, just a wonderful part of our team. And she, this is a classic example of um, additional duties as assigned. Mm -hmm. We started when we came in, but um, I think uh, Kate working for 10 years together, so we really enjoyed this process, everything from uh, you know, working with the, the, the public outreach. He's really the one that's um, done a wonderful job with the, uh, the rain belt program. We have great uh, child or watershed the environmental groups, and we've enjoyed, uh, you know, suing EPA, right? Oh, it's impossible. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've done a lot of fighting throughout the state for Franklin. And then Derek Adams is our, what we call the environmental affairs coordinator. Um, he's kind of leading up the, the stormwater. He's also uh, does the recycling and this stuff and that in the town too. So, and he's an excellent addition. To the, and he's been, we've been working together 12 years? Yeah, 12 years. He started, and I always like to say he's a great example Franklin uh, guy. He uh, started out as a summer help and worked his way up, came to, to finish college, decided he wanted to work with Public Works, um, was a laborer and worked his way up through um, the union and then eventually we uh, hired him about a year and a half ago as a Jeez. superintendent. He's doing a great job. So it's pretty, it's, it, that's pretty cool. I like, take a um, pride man as the boss. That's good. Um, so yeah, so I think Kate's really been the lead on the um, on the, the the site to figure out you know what what your stuff is. So I thought we'd just go through it, and it's sure. just, it's really simple to use for folks at home. So um, we got it right up here. Yeah. So this is the stormwater division website, um, and this is where all the stormwater information is. There's a plethora of information just on this page. Um, so right here on the left hand side is the impervious area map which if you click on that, it opens up a new tab. And there is, again, a lot of stormwater information. The heavy hitter on this is all about everyone's individual property. Um, all you need to do is put in your address. Does anybody have an address they would like me to look up? Zero Union Street. Zero? That's, that's my field. Uh, Not any. Oh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, and you click on the address. Everything <laughs> that is red yeah. is impervious <clears throat> area. You zoom in to your property, you will see IA, that's impervious area, and it shows how much is on that particular parcel. So for this parcel right here is 1,662 square feet of impervious area. It's a simple calculation to figure out what your rate will be. Um, the way that we have it structured, it's $18.66 per thousand square feet. So this particular property is using natural rounding. So this is going to be two billing units. So it's two times $18.66 and that is the fee for the whole year. Um, this is a small one. There are others that are larger. Um, businesses all have these. Um, so all you have to do is plug mm -hmm. in your address. Seven Wilson Road. Seven Wilson. Mm -hmm. 
You said seven Wilson? Yeah. Oh, there we go. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't see the dot. Yeah. Yep, there it is. Oh, there it is. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah it was covered by the dot. Oh, that's totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, notice how towards the road, yeah. you're not getting, even though you take care of that driveway, yeah. you're not getting built for it because that's not property. It's technically in the right of in the right public right away. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. There's your credit. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you can plow that for me? <laughs> you gotta wait. Yeah. We'll get to it. So, so that's, that's the map. It's very simple. Yeah. Um, it's very straightforward. And if somebody sees something that they think isn't right, then they can contact you, right? Yes. Especially right now. So because we sent the flyer out, part of the intention was for homeowners to look and say, you know what? This you're capturing a shed that I tore down two years ago. Um, this is based off of imagery from 2019, so there are going to be errors. And if a resident sees that, they can call me, they can email me, or Derek or the admin staff at the DPW, um, and we can go and do a site visit to confirm, and then we will adjust exactly. the previous area layer and we'll remove it. I've, I've got two calls so far. Yes, about it. we encourage that. It's easier to do that now than okay. once the bills go out. Because even if it happens after the bills go out, residents can still file for an abatement. Mm -hmm. um, but it's much easier. It's much less paperwork for everyone if we can fix was, that now. That was one of my questions at the end. So yes. As a data person, I'd rather clean it up now than okay. when things are final. So I encourage residents to absolutely take a look at their property and if they see any discrepancies. Okay. Councilor Jones. Quick question in regards to that. So let's say someone's built two units, a thousand, a thousand square feet per billable unit, correct? Right? Mm -hmm. And they had a shed, and that shed accounted for 500 square feet or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it, even though they've been assessed, let's say, 1,600 or 1,700 square feet, they're getting assessed 2 billion units regardless. So, correct? Because even if they lose, let's say they lose the shed at 500 square feet, that still brings them down to 1,200, which is above. Really. Right, but it's natural rounding, so that would be one billable unit. So, 1,200. So, so, 1,700 losing 500 back to 1,200 brings it back to one unit? Not, yes. Not, mm -hmm. not one, one billable unit, yeah. Okay. Yep. Just Yep. Mr. Chairman, yes. thank you. Um, I would like to say, you know, as many calls, we got some emails from the town administrator about people calling you folks about mm -hmm. stuff. Trust me. It was we that have, beautiful green flyer that you I, sent yeah, out? Yeah. And we, we, well done. <laughs> yeah. We, we've had tons of people call us. I guess. And it's, um, it's, it's really worked out good because it's Kate. And most people are just curious about it. For some reason, they haven't heard about the stormwater utility. Yeah. I have no idea why. You know, we've been talking about it for 10 years. But um, <laughs> we, we express it to them. We, they're curious. We tell them what's going on. We, we explain. And as Kate says, you know, it might be the gravel driveway that we picked up as a, you know, as a, as a, as a regular driveway or something like that. It's so much easier just to take it off now than to do um, the abatement later that we will do, obviously. So, but if they can and they have any questions about please, please call us. You know, you, you got a couple of months, you know, obviously six months anyways. So mm -hmm. we'll definitely like to work with the folks. And, they, and most of them have been really great. I will say to you, because I can, that, you know, some people call up and they're yelling at us and it's the rain tags. And, 
there's nothing we can say to them. Um, but most, 99% uh, of the people are great to work mm -hmm. with, right? Yep. And, just, they, and then they understand it. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you pull up Franklin Village Plaza? No, let's not get into specifics. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess the, the only question I have is, if you look at the chart that's on the website, it, 200 to 1,499 square feet is one billable unit. So if you're over 1,000, if you're 1,200 or 1,300, it's still only one. Right. So it, then it goes from 1,500 to 2,500. Then it proceeds on the 1,000 square feet, correct? Yes, it's on the principle of natural rounding. Okay. Yep. Continue. Any other questions on? No, no. On just the just GIS? The yeah, just the GIS. Good. Councilor Chen. The, the part I'm still confused about is is the condos. Mm -hmm. Are you just if there's a hundred unit condo, hundred units in a condo, are you dividing all their pervious just by how is that being done? So that was initially the plan, um, but after we had a long discussion um, with the town attorney and determined that it would be more applicable to have the entire impervious area of the parent parcel, so the, the large parcel where the condos mm -hmm. are situated, okay. and send that bill to the condo association or the owner of that parcel, whether it's a developer or a condo association, the owner of that parcel, and then they can then assign it the way they feel is appropriate. Okay, so it'll go to a condo association, not to any individual. No. Okay, that's what I don't think anyone a lot of people understood that. Yeah, that's a good point. The yeah. condos have been a challenge. Okay. Yeah, because on the maps, it, like each building was assigned like 1432. Yes, and that, that's because originally that's how we thought it would be appropriate to do that. So that will change once the data is updated. Okay, so now just when people ask me, it's just going to go to the, the condo association and that's the main data. Yes. Good. Um, through you, Mr. Chairman. So, like the condos, that you know, they all have different bylaws, how they do it. And, and think of it, some condos, like another utility, the water utility, the sewer, that could be all just one going, one meter going in there for five-unit condo, and that's how that's divided up. Other condo units, other condos have individual meters per, and that's sent out individually. Oh. And so, but we, it was you couldn't determine which way it was when you start taking in parking areas and everything else. And then when we talk about yeah. credits later on, you know, some condos have um, uh, retention ponds that were developed and then treating water, other doing conservation. So, so we do it. So you, can, you basically let them figure it out the best way to do it. Okay. So that's that's what we, we were advised by uh, town council. That was very helpful. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay, let's let's back off on the questions yeah. here. Let's finish the presentation and then we'll go to the questions. Credit manual. Do you have anything further on this? This is just no, no other points on the map unless right. there are questions specific then I to will the take map. questions. Council? Any other councilors have any questions? Any questions from the audience? Please come forward, just identify yourself, name and address. My name is Bill Roach, and I'm uh, chairman of the, the uh, Board of Trustees of the Village of Cook's Farm. And I'm here on behalf of the 55 homeowners uh, that uh, reside in the village. And I was just curious to hear that comment about 
condominiums because while the village is a condominium from a land perspective, the homes are all single family homes. So they all pay, they all get their own tax bill, they all get their own water bill, they all get their own electric bill. So treating it as a condo in total, I don't think would be appropriate. Now, when I looked at the map uh, and clicked on my address, it came up with, I think, four building units. It was 4,100 plus or minus square feet, which, I, all right, I understand that. Now, it takes all of the you know, roads and everything into, into account, and it, I think what you did, I'm not sure, but I think what you did was take the total area and divide it by 55 units which seems to be the right way to do that mm -hmm. because the association doesn't pay you know one tax bill the individuals pay their tax bill they pay their own water bill they pay their own sewer bill so I, I would assume that that's what we would continue to do and that you would send out bills because this is not a condominium building these are single-family homes in a condominium style ownership so I'd like that clarification or at least understand how you're thinking about approaching that and maybe we have to talk to town council or you know something on that but that's that seems you know that there needs to be some clarification on that for us because those are all pri those those are all private ways in there correct they're all private ways yeah uh attorney Sorrell. so so he's correct the condominium is a form of ownership as opposed to a specific type of building it can be applicable to what you would perceive as an apartment building. It could be perceived. It could be applicable to townhouses. It could be applicable to this. That being said, the legal principle is the same. It's ownership of space, interior space, and there is an entity, generally a condo association, that owns all the common areas. So that uh, in the, in, you're generally charged in a condominium based on your percentage interest of ownership in the entire property being 100%. Then you break it down, and when there's a need to divide the common area expenses, again, it's reflected on what's your percentage interest of ownership, which in this project is probably pretty similar because the houses are all pretty similar. But you, you have that distinction between individual and common ownership, and I would venture to guess, even if it's slight, that you're getting a separate bill for common ownership property, because that's how it works. But that's an assessor's question. Okay, I guess, uh, I'm not sure you got the answer to I'm not question. sure I got the answer to but it's something that, that I've raised it as a question because I think it's, a, it's an important question for us to understand as uh, you know, the trustees of the association. And I'm okay with, as long as we understand it and we know how it's being done, I think uh, we prefer <laughs> that it be billed to the individual homeowner because they own their own home and they right. pay their own taxes and it seems to make sense and I don't really want to pass on another fee to, to the homeowners. That's a lot. <laughs> so one other, just one other sure. question on that, and this is something I talked with Butch uh, and, and Derek about earlier. Uh, and understanding the credits uh, for us is important. Okay, all of the roads and alleys and sidewalks are part of the village. 
We have a, you know, the village was built between 2015 and 2019. Uh, it has a state-of-the-art uh, water, stormwater collection system. All of our roof drains, all of our uh, sidewalks, all of our streets, alleys are all collected. The water is infiltrated back into the ground uh, and, uh, you know, it typically collects the first flush and the pollutants you know, so nothing gets really into the stormwater system, and more importantly, there were two outlets, and the water post haste gets in the rental. <laughs> so uh, there's not a. They're lot not of, in the Charles River. Right? So there's not a. Uh, I mean, from a perspective of a stormwater load from the village and all of the roadways that are in, there's not a significant burden on the town of Franklin. Now, I understand the common good comment. And that our, you know, the, our owners use the roads in, you know, Franklin and, and need to pay something. But I think we certainly believe that we should get some credit for the fact that we clean our own catch basins, we sweep our own streets, uh, we clean out the outlets and culverts as they need to be, we monitor and clean the. Uh, infiltrators uh, when they're needed to be cleaned, and we've been doing this pretty regularly. So I, I would simply want to understand how we can be treated the same as a single-family home, because in essence, our rooftop and driveway—if you go across the street, you know that right there, rooftop and driveway—anything that doesn't get collected on that lot. You know, goes out into the street, goes into this town system. We don't contribute anything to the town system. So I just want some, some thought, perhaps, given to how those credits are applied to make it equitable. Understood. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Roach. Mr. Roach could not have made a better transition to the credit to the to the, the other discussion about credit. <laughs> But just for everybody listening at home, one thing that Mr. Roach brought up, which is incredibly critical, is that this is not going to be perfect on day one. And this is going to take all residential and commercial property owners a while, and condo associations or other forms of, of housing or commercial. This is why they need, you know, Bill or the, the, the trustees need to meet with the staff other condo associates, they should call the DPW, meet with the staff, talk about their dynamic. And some things may not be able to be able to be fixed in a year, but the staff are gonna take these dynamics into consideration. And this program is going to evolve over a long time. It's here, unfortunately, forever. Um, and so it's just gonna, I just want people at home to have a sense of patience and courtesy to come in and call like Bill has with some great questions, great comments. And, um, and just to take the time to call the DPW and to go down and meet with and talk with them about what their individual property situation is. I mean, this is a perfect example of, I think, dynamics that all of you are gonna hear about. If you haven't already, we're gonna hear about them. It's okay. Just work with our team and we're gonna get there. But uh, to Bill's point, great transition to the uh, credit manual. <laughs> yeah. uh, I hope he'll be uh, excited. Okay, just, just one, oh. I have, there's one more question in the audience. Please come forward. Name and address, please. Uh, Lester Chow, and I live on 4 Barwood Road in Franklin. And I did an addition, and when we went up uh, in front of the Conservation Committee, they suggested that we 
put in a recharge system. And so we actually agreed and we put in a recharge system. I, and I was, it's like, it's kind of a huge one because not that we have that much runoff, but it's like 800 to 1,000 gallons or something like that. So I was just wondering um, whether or not that would be considered uh, in uh, as credits, you know, having that type of system in your in your property. Absolutely. Yes, you certainly that, will. That's yes. kind of the next yep. part of this uh, uh, discussion this evening. So, so, so two things was going to happen. The first thing before we get into the credits, I think it's always important we start talking about for folks come forward um, is you know, abatement. So when you get your bill and you think something wrong, like we made it, we couldn't make a mistake, and you come forward and say, hey, we charged your pool. You know, you don't, you don't get charged for a pool area of waterlands, and we did as a purpose here. So you can file for abatement, we look at your plan, and we'll take, you know, we'll make the proper adjustments. So that's why it's, we really encourage people, if they think there's any issues, now come forward. <coughs> look at your site plan. I can't say that. If you think something wrong, give us a call, because it's much easier to get it off before to do abatement later. So then what Kate and Derek have really worked on is basically the credit manual, and they'll get into detail, but overall, you can get up to... 50% off of your fee, to, no matter how big you are, okay? No matter what, whether you got one credit, you got 48, okay? You get to 50%. Two ways you can do that, you get 20% off for water treatment, okay? Which would be four bays, catch basins, and something like that, and you get another 25% off for recharge, okay? Um, obviously, um, you know, Cook's Farm, and we always use the example across the street, the, the big Y, that we mm -hmm. saw that being built. That place is just pretty much all impervious, but they got all Culvec systems underneath. So they would come in, you know, we look at their plans and we'd be able to, you know, give the appropriate uh, credits. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the Mr. Chow that came up here, we could obviously went into plans. He says, okay, I put an infiltration system, I put a rain garden in, I put a, bought a rain barrel, whatever it might be. We go ahead and look at that and we give the appropriate credit for that, okay? But everything for the credits and everything is in the manual. So if you want to go over that kind of briefly? So the credit manual is here. Uh, it's 14 pages long. It's a lot of technical jargon, but I'll try and sum it up as best I can. I'm just going to follow up with what Bruce said. So very simply put, there's two categories for applying for a credit. One is a small user credit, which is for parcels that have five or less billable units. One, the other one is the standard credit, which is for six plus billable units. Each of those is divided up into two categories, which can get a total of 50% credit. One category is stormwater quantity, reducing the peak flow. The other one is stormwater quality. So for example, a rain barrel, which would be collected and temporarily stored, would reduce quantity, reducing the peak flow. Or a rain garden would be improving the quality. That applies both to the small user credit and the standard credit. Largely, the two credits mirror each other. The biggest difference, um, we can get into the details as much as you'd like, but the biggest difference is that a small user credit could use a rain barrel, but a commercial property is not, it's not appropriate for them to capture their runoff in a rain barrel because of the size of their property, anything that's six plus units. The other biggest difference is that a small user would apply for their credit every year, and a commercial property would apply every five years to get their credit received. And that is the, the Simplest way I can put the credit manual. Okay. Questions? Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So, just for my own sake and for the audience, when you say the under five 
you know, which is probably going to apply to most residences in town. Let's say they have a rain barrel, and that you said that amounts to a credit for having a rain barrel. So, what does how does that reduce their bill? So, if you had a, we'll just say if you had four billable units, just to keep it very simple. If you had a rain barrel, you would apply for a credit. If if approved, you get a twenty five percent credit off of your stormwater. Okay. So in essence, you would then be paying for three billable units. And that's the kind of thing that a homeowner would do not beforehand, but after they get their bill, they would? Currently, right now, we're working through the okay. gravel driveways and the pools and the, and the, the data information. Okay. I think right now we're spread a little thin for that. But if, if we get freed up with the data, I, I think we'd be receptive to looking into that sort of thing. But it's got, well, it's going to be an application process. So okay, so people will get, when it, it. when it comes, they'll get their bill, and mm -hmm. then they can apply for a credit, there'll be a form, yes. and that might, in essence, take some money off the bill. It would, in fact, take money off okay. the bill, okay. yes. Okay, mm -hmm. well, we're already starting to get lots sure. of questions, yeah. obviously, mm -hmm. so it's just nice to be able to have a few answers yeah. to get back to people, so thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Councilor Comey Ledger. Councilor DeLarco. Thank you, too, Mr. Chair. This is another question I've got. In, instead of a rain barrel, they want if they built built a dry well, is is that considered? Uh, yes. Yes. So and if you if you look through the credit manual, there are specific examples of what qualifies for credit. So, a small user credit, rain barrels, um, French drains, dry wells. There's, okay. a, there's a whole list. Um, I think it's linked in um, the agenda online that Jane put out. So, yep, that okay. definitely does. Qualify. Since we have the uh, uh, website, might you show them where the manual is? Well, it's, it's not posted on the oh, website. It's, it's the draft still, so it's what's attached to your agenda. Okay. Yeah. You got to approve it. This is a draft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> draft so. Okay. Not tonight. All right. Not tonight. Councilor Frangillo. Thank you. Uh, my fear would be, I, I guess my, my question is, have we done the math on credit? My fear would be over uh, giving out credits where we end up short of our goal, where if we make it, you know, if a rain barrel isn't really reducing 25% of their stormwater contributions, uh, that, that would be my fear. I was wondering how you guys thought through that. Obviously, I a lot of respect for the point that this is gonna take time to, figure out if there's going to be ups and downs and we're going to have to adjust along the way but have we, have we thought through the math and I, I know that one piece of this equation is that most of the, per, the previous coverage is non-residential it's, it's more your larger industrial commercial lots are you saying a percentage wise for the entirety of the town yeah 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 no. uh, maybe not I, there was a number I at one point when we first considered I wanted to say it was 60 40 um, commercial industrial but That's really pretty close. Have you done the math of, of, of the credits? That is pretty close. And, and so we did look at our overall budget, the, the, the amount of money that we, you know, we uh, we need to raise, you know, to meet the, meet the requirements. And then we took off um, what we think we're going to get for credits. Yeah. You know, a reasonable number. Because um, I can tell you. You know, everybody's bought a rain barrel. How many rain barrels we sold? Five hundred and forty-three. Five hundred forty-three. That's that's awesome, right? I can guarantee you, it's not going to be five hundred forty-three people coming in to get get a credit. You know, to to to, to get a you know an eighteen dollar credit. It's yeah. it's just not going to happen. 
Um, they bought the rain barrels for other reasons. You know, this is just a bonus for them. So we, we tried to take that into account. We also took into account, um, uh, you know, more of the commercial industrial people. You know, we have we have really good bylaws in place, you know, developmental-wise. So as they were talking about Cook's Farm, there was recharge, there was treatment, all these great things that's been going on for years. So we kind of took that into account already. They're, they're, they're going to come in and get their credits. So yes, that number that number is built in. So we have looked at that. Yeah, no, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, and uh, you still have, yeah. still have uh, we're capping ourselves at, at we'll never give more than 25 percent 50 percent so you can receive 25 percent credit for a quantity quality quality and 25 percent for quantity so if you have a treatment structure you could earn up to 25 percent if you have a storage structure there's another 25 percent so 50 percent if rain barrels were your only um, item that you had on your property, that would be a max of 25%. Yeah. And the idea behind that is that a whole bunch of our stormwater needs are on shared. We need to take a holistic approach to the whole idea. Yeah. Okay. That's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Fongelos. Councilor Hamlin's trip. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, team, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it, we've worked together a lot on this. And um, it's always kind of exciting to actually get to talk about it again and, and to see the credit manual um, that we was sort of a dream at one time. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just, it's good to have all this in one place. I, um, I was gonna, I think we kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I thought like, we, we need to get this out to the people so that they can see um, how they can get credits or abatements before the, um, well, oh, even when they look at their um, impervious coverage on their property to say, oh, wait a minute, you've you have counted a gravel, my gravel driveway. Like, we need to change that. And um, and so, um, I, it's it, to me, it's like really important that you guys have done this because this is really, it's great. I love all the examples that you've put in here. There's one question about like, if, um, so the, a credit is a yearly, a yearly thing that we have to apply for and then the abatement would be sort of like once it gets fixed or you know once you fix what's if there's anything wrong then that's you don't have to do that again i guess that was my question yeah. correct yeah because yeah. that's just basically fixing an error of including something that should right. be included right so i think that kind of helps clarify a little bit because people were like well i don't do i have to like do this every year for everything and the question is no, because once it's right, then it won't. Right. Right, too. It'll be okay. All right, so five years, you said, Derek? Five years for standard credit, which is six plus. That's a, that's a bigger, yep. bigger thing. And annually for five of us. Okay. All right, great. Just, I just do want to add one thing to that. Um, the small user credit, it's every residential property, not necessarily just five billion units or under it's every residential property and small businesses that are less than five billable units. Okay. I just want to make that one clarification. Okay, so that's a little different than what I understood earlier too. So that's that's good to know. Yeah. And the reason we do that is, you know, people might have got a rain rain barrel, we go and check and make sure it's actually hooked up. It's being used. Yeah. And then it's you know, the other one for the, the larger properties, you know, 
know, once again, I don't know what Cook's Farm, what they have set up, but they have set up a storm scepter system that requires maintenance. It's not just you put it in, you're done with it. Right. So we'd have to see that, you know, he brought up that they were, you know, clean their catch bases. That's great. Yeah, you know, we want to see the records of that. That's part of the process. You know, so every five years, we don't just forget it. It's getting forgotten. Like there's so many stormwater, everybody knows they drive around everywhere. There's all these retention ponds there to take care of and everything else all grown over. So that's what we're going to try to fix. But so that's part of what they get their credits for, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to. And um, I have one more question about the rain gardens. So a homeowner could build a rain garden off of maybe where like the, the, the water flows off of their roof. Um, do you have any, will there be any um, qualifications for the rain garden or like dimensions and that sort of thing that like maybe even directions or like how to build your own rain garden that would actually We've done that. I know. <laughs> we, we had rain garden classes, but on with Charles River Watershed, we had yeah. a grant, and some people put them in town. Yep. And yeah, you look at the overall site, and we, um, you know, we as we as Public Works actually uh, provide some of the materials, especially you know, the compost and stuff that goes in there. It was uh, yeah, some people took advantage, not many, but um, well, now people might. Because, I know because <laughs> yeah. now yeah. they can get credit. Sure. <laughs> right, um, but that would be it would be kind of fun if we all did that. Yeah. Great family project. Yeah. I, I love it. Like, it, have I always told you, family project, you show, you show your kids. Because the kids are the ones that are going to be the next generation. Exactly. And they're the ones that get it. Yes. They're the ones that recycle. They, you know, we, we, you know, we train them we, as part of the thing. So. Well, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Got to get to the kids. Got to get to the kids. Yeah. And rain grounds, you know, I, I love rain gardens. <laughs> they're pretty. You know, put some flowers in. They're awesome. They're fantastic. Yeah. I love that. And it's great for pollinators too, but yeah. I won't go into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, listen, you've heard me say this discussion before. I'm, I'm, one point I want to make is I'm certainly not going to argue the overall amount of building units. I mean, first of all, two, two building units on my property isn't a big deal. For me as a whole, it's only about $75 a year based on the amount. But I do believe you're going to get a lot of questions similar to my question that I've brought up several times before, and that's in regards to my particular piece of property, the way my, my property lies. My field just happens to be the center of the neighborhood, and a large percentage of the properties that are in my neighborhood actually spill into my field, and actually my field does most of the draining for that stormwater. In fact, much of the topography from my yard, from my house down into my field, slopes from School Street down to the center. And in fact, at one point in the history of my yard, uh, I've actually collected bark mulch that came down from the Davis Thayer Elementary School <laughs> playground because it washed its way from the Davis Thayer across Union Street, down this driveway, and down in my field. And I can quite literally pick, probably pick up at least half the bark mulch to fill in some of the spaces around my yard. But the, my point is that my yard, in and of itself, as well as the topography of, of the neighborhood, is is in an, is in and of itself that's almost its own natural retention basin. And the field, my field, especially on a very rainy day, can get up to about four or five inches of, in, in depth of water. It ultimately filters through my yard and down into, into our water system, which is great. But you're going to get questions like that from many people who probably have some form of topography around their yard and around their neighborhoods where they feel a large percentage, if not almost most of it or all of it, doesn't make its way into the storm system, actually makes it into some form of natural retention 
either on their own piece of property or on some neighboring piece of property, um, where they're going to say, well, you know, even if water hits my roof, it's not making it to the street. It's not making it to the storm drain system. Um, and, but yet, we're only giving a 50% credit. Um, another good example with an argument like that would be the big Y, which Rudishi brought up earlier. They've spent well over hundreds of thousands of hundred thousand dollars more on building the system to retain, I believe, at least at least the first inch or two of of water that's that hits their, their pavement and, and retains that water. But yet, for for that type of investment, they're still only getting a fifty percent credit. So I can just. And then there are properties like, for instance, Dean College, who I know are going to be getting their first bill from the town relatively soon in regards to the amount of per impervious property that they have. But a lot of their property is sloped in such a way that almost, I would say, a large percentage of the storm water that goes in their property makes its way into our storm system. So how do we, how do we, I know, and I, I know that part of the discussion is that this is going to be an ongoing thing, but how do we ultimately go around and assess, okay, this piece of property actually spends most of its time uh, retaining water, whereas this particular piece of property is almost 100% contributor to that storm water runoff, and, and make adjustments accordingly. Maybe there are some properties that should actually pay more, and there should be some properties that pay less, based simply on their topography. Would that not be a fair argument? So we viewed this as a community problem, and the way to address that was to provide funding for the services that need to be provided for the town. Right. So with that, if somebody considers that there are, we do not specifically consider the topography of the individual parcel. That's not what we do. We're concerned with quality. I know I keep saying it, but quality and quantity of the discharge that's coming off of a property. And that's why you can receive a credit for those up to 50%, like the credit manual says. Separate from that, any resident or commercial or industry in town is going to be using the roadways. And the one example I can give is if every truck in town uses one ounce of drips, one ounce of oil, or one ounce of windshield washer fluid, or one ounce of gasoline, when they drive down through the roads in Franklin that we own, we don't know who's doing that. And largely, we can't really care because it's a non-point source of pollution. But we're responsible for making sure that the discharge, where that water goes on the street, into the basin, down the pipe, into the environment, is clean. We're responsible for doing that, and it's very, very expensive to do. So regardless of the topography of an individual property, we have an obligation to make sure that the discharge for our uh, outfall is clean. So that's why we, these funds are still required to provide those services for the community of Franklin. And, and I didn't stand that. And we didn't say where where where. You know, Derek's saying, I want people to understand home. It's not like we're choosing to do this. This is the permit. This is what EPA, the feds have put on us. So that's that's the one that's picking up. And, and to be honest with you, we don't have the staff to, to, to check every piece of topography. And you know, if, if the council really wants us to come up with a different way, this is the, you know, we've, we've talked about this for 10 years as utility. And, and this is what some people never agree with. We, we, it's the most fair and equitable way. This is, we didn't create this model. This model's been used for 10 plus years. So many other communities do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to be fair and equitable as best we possibly can. Um, you know, it, 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 in your case, yeah, the water goes in your backyard, but you still have to the water coming off your roof. You know, it still could be going in the grass. So, you know, right off the bat, it's not, a, it's not a treatment thing. Yeah, but there's a quantity thing might be going. How would I possibly be able to figure out, you know, what the value is? And then I just say economically, you know, your your house is what do you say seventy dollars to two units, right? Yeah. Um, I would I would say the expense to do 
just topographically and trying to figure this out, not just for you, for anybody, would cost millions. And then we'd have to charge more just to try to figure that out. Right. And I still don't understand. They're good. She is great. I'm just, not that good. Yeah, yeah you are. Nope, nope. I'm almost done with you. Like I said when I started, my, my point was this is not, as far as I'm concerned, a personal issue. I mean, the, the, the units, the overall cost of my, my particular yard, it's, it's not exuberant. Um, but what I do know is that there are properties that are going to have, um, like for instance, Franklin Hills Plaza, um, over $100,000 worth of expenses associated with the overall amount of acreage that that impervious surface is going to do. And that's, those are costs that are going to get passed on to the businesses. And this, this, these are just ultimate costs that are going to make their way into our system as a whole. And, and I understand we've been having this discussion for, for over 12 years since we've been trying to fight the EPA on this. But, and it is by far the best, most equitable means to, to manage this issue. But we, we can't, you can't argue with the fact that there's going to be some issues down the line with property owners as they come forward. They, they look at the site and see, wow, I've got 60 billing units, 50 billing units, it's going to be a, a quite a significant expense for them. But at least, I will say, if you remember the history, when, when EPA first came here, they used one of the RDA, which is going to be Franklin, Bellingham, Milford. The yeah. argument that you said was one of the reasons we pushed back so hard, because economically, it would be it would be cost more money to do it in, in Franklin. I mean, you could go down to Mansfield and build, build your place. So that never came to fruition, and we pushed back on that. Now, you know, at least this permit is, you know, statewide, you know, for all intents and purposes. So every community's dealing with this, and every community's dealing with different ways to fund it. So, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Any other counselors? I think we do have somebody uh, out in Zoom land uh, with their hand up. Denise? Denise, if your hand is up, unmute yourself. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Denise Spencer, 59 Millican Avenue. Um, thank you, Brutus and staff, for the presentation tonight. I did have a quick question. Um, I have a, a neighbor, a very lovely gentleman, um, who he had reached out to me just asking if I had heard about the stormwater, what was it all about? Um, he's not really good with technology per se. Um, so I printed out some handouts for him to review. I found his house and you know explained the fees to him, but he still had extra questions. Is it okay to send him down to the DPW? Absolutely. <laughs> we would encourage it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to, oh, you know, speak out of turn or anything, but he's just, he's not a good computer person, and, you know, it, it, it was all good questions. It wasn't anything negative. He just wanted some more information. No, please. And that goes to any resident out there. It's, yeah. it's very, we like to see people down there. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you, Denise. Is there anyone in council chambers? Please. Come forward. Just name an address, please, Paul. Uh, Paula Lombardi, 757 Washington Street. My question is, uh, what, are, uh, what is the town, is the town being built for their own properties too? Yes. Yeah, yes. all of it. And yep. then it goes back into the, um, 
when you create your budget, you have to uh, make sure all the all the you know departments you know with the facilities and all. Yes. Yeah. It's very similar. The town has to pay for the water uses, um, the sewer. So like the school department, they're being assessed, you know, for the, for their impervious area. We the water department for their, their treatment plants, the sewer, everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's all done by law. We have to, and then it goes, it, and then the money goes into this utility, stormwater utility. Right. Ironically, I just think about it, we actually have no stormwater utility buildings <laughs> with a previous area to build up. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking of all the playing fields that you know throughout town too. You know, this. The parks, yeah, the impervious area in the parks and the yeah, the, the artificial turf and all. Yep. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers? Name and address, please. Sorry, Mr. Chair. Steve Sherlock, 10 Lawrence Drive. Clarification question on thank you for the manual. It's great. Uh, the impervious coverage to be replaced potentially in terms of a driveway. You finally have some descriptions around the pervious pavers, et cetera. The question would be simply, well, two points. Um, is this sufficient so that if I go to like a Home Depot or someplace, they'll understand what I'm looking for and they'll be able to provide that accordingly? Or would it also be better, me? The, uh, the alternative would be to check that and then preview to make sure that before I actually do it all, it actually can be, yes, this is a good one as opposed to, no, that's not a good one. Question? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, please. If you have any questions before you do anything, right. you can okay. absolutely run Good. it by the DPW. Sure. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. Okay, seeing no further questions, I just have uh, uh, one statement to make, and uh, I'm not sure it's doable, but I believe it is. Uh, back when this whole thing started was just as COVID hit, and we had done two or three public presentations on stormwater. And now that we have more information and uh, a, at least a draft of the credit uh, brochure, could we put together a presentation on Franklin TV that can be broadcast um, multiple times so that we can get this information to the audiences out there. You know, we don't know how, you know, if there's 100 people watching uh, TV tonight, that may be a lot. Uh, we have 34,000 people out there, and we have a lot of homes and a lot of businesses that still do not understand stormwater. So my thought is if we could somehow put together a presentation with Franklin TV and then multiple broadcasts on, uh, uh, on our cable station and getting the word out to the public, trying to explain what is going on, why it's going on, I think it would be very helpful. Is that something we can get done, Jamie? Mr. Chairman, uh, Brutus and Kate and Derek would love to do it. Um, there's no question that they will do it. Steve has already uh, talked back here and said he'll do it, and I, I count on them to be able to set it up. Mel will do it. Um, everybody can do it. 
you know, Mr. Chairman. And you've answered my question. You know what's great? We will do it. You know what's yeah. great about it? We'll get credit for it. You know, we get credit <laughs> on it. So you actually tell us to do something, we get credit for it. You can tell EPA we do a public outreach. So we got it. I'm glad that I'm glad I brought it up. Yeah, no, it, it, it's actually a great idea. Yeah. We'll mm -hmm. just do another one and, you know, have the broad cable set up for the, yeah. Yep. We got a lot of yeah. We, well, we can we can there. highlight it on cable as mm -hmm. you know. It, it's not a town council meeting. It's an explanation of stormwater, yeah. so people and, can see that mm -hmm. in the uh, uh, different columns and go forward. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Thank you, folks. Thanks very much, Brutus, Derek. Well, thank Dave. you for your time. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, moving on, legislation for action. Resolution 23-11, Home Rule Petition on Newspaper Legal Ads. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 23-11. This is a request for a special legislation uh, in reference to authorization for town to utilize alternative methods for notice of public hearings. Whereas the town of Franklin desires to utilize alternative methods for publishing legal notices for public hearings that are required by law, and whereas the so-called Home Rule Law, Home Rule Amendment to the Massachusetts Constitution reduces a mechanism for municipalities to petition the general court to enact legislation applicable only to that municipality, including the proposed legislation. Now, therefore, the town of Franklin, acting by and through its town council, hereby petitions the general court to enact the legislation captioned an act authorizing the city known as the town of Franklin to utilize alternative methods or notice of public hearings, a copy of which is attached here to as Exhibit 1, which I'll read in a minute, for the town of Franklin's benefit in substantially the form attached and directs the town administrator to transmit said legislation to State Representative Jeffrey M. Roy for filing. This resolution should become effective according to provisions of the town of Franklin Home Rule. And yet, you want to read the action? Sure. Okay. Exhibit 1. An act authorizing the city known as the town of Franklin to utilize alternative methods for notice of public hearings be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives and General Court, assembled and by authority the same as the following. Section 1. Notwithstanding Section 13 of Chapter 4, Section 11, Chapter 48 of the General Laws or any other general special law of the contrary, the city known as the town of Franklin, here and after known as the town, may utilize alternative methods to publish legal notices for public hearings that are required by law. Section two, the town may permit that all notices of such public hearings shall be published on the bulletin board outside the town clerk's office in either I in local newspaper or other electronic paper formats, and two, on the town's website. The term website shall mean the official website of the town of Franklin that is operated and maintained by the town's government, and three, this act shall take effect upon its passage. Move resolution 23-11. Second. Motion is second. Discussion, Jamie. Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman. So I just, before I get started on what this is and, and why, um, I just want to make sure everybody clearly understands that um, we've dealt with this issue for many, many years. Um, and number two, I want to make sure there, there, we do not have to do this. This is not a goal. This did not arise out of anything. So if people, for whatever reason, have some questions, we can still work with this. In essence, what this is doing is giving the town uh, a choice about where to post legal advertisements. The reason why this came up is at the end of the legislative session, just a month or so ago, 
there were a couple bills passed for communities that are now experiencing the fact that there is literally no newspaper that is produced in print in their communities, okay? And they got home rule legislation passed through the legislature to give them an out because there was no newspaper. Specifically, in this case, the town of Acton, um, Gatehouse News or Gateway Publications, whatever it was called, basically ceases to exist and there is no physical print paper. So therefore, they couldn't conform with the law. And so they needed a home. And then there were other communities that kind of went through the same process. And I kind of, when I was going through my legislative look at what happened on the last couple days of the legislative session, just seeing what the legislature did, I happened to notice these two, uh, or a few of them that got through. And I kind of, we, the councils discussed this, Council Jones, Council Murder, many times before, about legal advertisements. And so I asked the finance director, what have we spent in the last five years on legal ads town-wide? And he gave me the number $204,000 the town has spent on just legal advertisements to print in the local paper um, that's there. And, um, you know, I guess in, I see that as a lot of money. And the last two or three years were pandemic years where we were limited in meetings, maybe not doing as many zoning changes or some of the other issues that we had had. Um, that we could have been doing. So those numbers could be, that number, that figure could be much higher. Um, at some point, uh, the process is, if the council did endorse this proposal, uh, what would happen from here on out? It would get filed by State Representative Jeff Roy at the bill filing deadline over the next month, whenever, the, I don't even know if they've come out with the date yet, but usually it's sometime in February or so. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Well, then it doesn't matter because we can still file it anyway. He'll file it on our behalf. <laughs> But anyways, it'll go through a whole system. It'll be referenced to a committee. The bill will have a public hearing as a home rule petition, just like we do for liquor licenses, right? And uh, there'll be a committee hearing at which anybody, myself will obviously go, but anybody else that wanted to go, go testify at the public hearing, answer questions from the committee. Uh, why do we want to do this? What's the point? Um, I don't would not expect a rapid response or a quick response. This is an issue many communities are facing, and obviously there are a lot of different opinions on this um, in terms of where this is going. But what I also believe is you can see the trend. Print newspapers some way, someday are just not going to be here. And um, we have on our website a free legal ads subscription email notification page, which has thousands of subscribers already of Franklin folks, Steve, but, but a lot of residents sign up for these. Um, and they're getting every legal ad that's required under state law anyways via email. Um, and it's right there as an archive on the town website. Um, and so we could do any which of the choice. We could do an and or or. We could do downstairs on, the, on a bulletin board. We could do legal ads. Um, you know, uh, free of service through our email subscription page. Uh, but I do want to note that you know, over the over the past decade or so, the town has been spending about fifty, forty to fifty thousand uh, dollars before the pandemic on legal advertisements in a newspaper. Um, and so, uh, asking the question of the legislature uh, at some point, someone's going to ask it um, and say, "Well, why are we still doing this? Is the return on investment there?" Coincidentally, many newspapers have turned to legal ads where they're selling the legal ads and you have to have a subscription to a news, to a, you know, a news site. Mm -hmm. and you get a login name, you pay your $5 a month, whatever, $5 a month, whatever it is. 
and the resident has to now pay to go into that electronic database on that newspaper, pay with their own money, and then go in to read the legal ads. I find that actually more inhibitive, <laughs> for, you know, to get somebody the legal ad information that they should have. Um, and the public feedback on our website, again, with thousands of subscribers, um, you know, has been very positive. People can go back and look at where those legal ads were. If they had questions, they can search them by keyword search. Um, and if there's any other ideas the council has, obviously we'd be more than open-minded to them. Um, but uh, this was an idea that was born out of some local bills that were just done, um, and we brought it to the chair and thought, you know, maybe this was something the council would want to talk about. So, thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just really, really short. Um, I know for a fact that State Representative Jeff Roy is, is, is um, a big proponent of doing things electronically. A few, if we recall, a few years ago, we actually put legislation forward to support his bill to um, to make public notices electronic, um, which allowed us to, to do things um, more on the internet. Except the technical issues. Um, I that's not how he felt about it. Yeah. <laughs> I am uh, totally in support of this, especially for the fact, since for the most part, you know, the newspapers, the, our local newspaper, which is Milford, the moment really doesn't do as much advertising and covering of the town of Franklin for the most part. So this, to me, is a no-brainer, as well as some, it potentially save us some money that we can use for other media purposes. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Any other questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will. Oh, I'm sorry, Councilor Frangelo. If we, through through you, if we move this forward, uh, I would like to use at least some. I mean, we're saving twenty thousand a year. I would like to use at least some to really get the word out about our. Um, the, uh, the online option um, because I don't know how many people it is that still rely on the news but uh, the newspaper but it's not zero um, and so really making sure that we're capturing uh, all of them I think is, is important yeah. Agreed. Thank you Councilor Frondillo Anybody else? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-11, a majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-12, acceptance of new relocated sewer easement and abandonment of active use of existing sewer easement at 259 Cottage Street. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 23-12, acceptance of new relocated sewer easement, abandonment of active use of existing, existing sewer easement at 259 Cottage Street, whereas the Franklin Paint Company Incorporated is the owner of certain parcels of land located at 259 Cottage Street described in a deed recorded at the Norfolk County Registry of Deeds. Uh, book 3896 at page 313, and whereas the town of Franklin has an existing easement on Franklin Paint Company Incorporated's property uh, to maintain a public sewer main, which the town desires to relocate to a more accessible portion of said property, and whereas the Franklin Paint Company Incorporated, the town of Franklin, have agreed that the Franklin Paint Company Incorporated will permit, permit the town of Franklin 
to relocate its store main uh, by Franklin Paint Company Incorporated's grant to town of a new store easement for a nominal consideration, and the town of Franklin's consideration thereof will abandon its active use of the existing store main and fill it in place. And whereas the Franklin Paint Company Incorporated executed the grant of sewer easement to the town of Franklin on December 19th, 2022, together with a copy of the sketch plan attached here to his exhibit A, showing the location of new relocates for easement of nominal consideration, a true copy of said grant of sewer easement and sketch plan being attached here to as exhibit one. Now, therefore, be it ordered that the town of Franklin acting by and through its town council, one accepts the grant of sewer easement, a true copy of which is attached here to his exhibit one. Two, abandons the town's active use of the existing sewer easement at 259 Cottage Street, effective upon completion of construction of a new sewer main. And three, directs that the true copy of this resolution, together with the original signed copy of grant of sewer easement and attached sketch plan exhibit A, be recorded at the Norfolk County Registry of Deeds, this resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 23-12. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, Jamie. Chris. Um, in layman's terms, that was wonderfully written, but basically our existing old sewer pipe goes through one of their buildings. That's not good. It goes back to the 1900s, part of the Beaver Street Interceptor. So with the project, we're gonna move it outside their building and go around their building. It's good for them, it's good for us. That makes sense? <laughs> you both know on that. <laughs> I could make it another way. Could you imagine a sewer pipe going right down here? Okay? We don't want it. Let's we want to put it outside. So that's what we're doing. Questions or comments from the council? <laughs> Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-12. Again, a majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. I think that's my quickest one. <laughs> Zoning bylaw amendment 23-891. Zoning map changes from rural residential two and single family residential three to rural residential two or single family residential three in area on or near Lincoln Street. <clears throat> Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is only bylaw amendment Motion 23. Second. Motion second to waive the reading. All those in favor of waiving the reading, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Move zoning bylaw amendment 23 891. Second. Motion in the second. To the planning board. To the planning board. I'm sorry. Second again. Quick summary. Jamie? Just a part of our lot line cleanup series. The EDC passed this unanimously. And again, this is just the referral of the planning board. It's a section on Lincoln Street. Uh, did you see anything? Uh, I really, thank you, Mr. Chairman. There's really nothing to add. It's it's almost like it's just the second part of what we looked at the last time, and it's um, actually one of the last multiple property, hopefully, um, that will changes that will come before us. So we're almost done cleaning up everything. Um, thank you. Thank you. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to refer zoning bylaw amendment 23. Dash 891 to the planning board. Again, a majority votes required. 
All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-13, gift acceptance, Veterans Services Department, $2,350, and Fire Department, $100. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Resolution 23-13, acceptance of gift, uh, Veterans Services Department and the Fire Department. Whereas the Veterans Services Department and the Fire Department have received generous donations in the total amount of $2,450 to be used at the discretion of each department as follows. Donation of the summary, Veterans Services Department, $2,350. One gift fund, $2,250. Donation to be used at the discretion of the Veterans Services Department through the Veterans Gift Fund for support of local veterans and their families. Two, Municipal Assistance Fund, $100. Donation to be used at the discretion of the Veterans Services Department through the Veterans Municipal Assistance Fund for support of local veterans and their families. Fire Department, $100. This donation was made in the memory of Douglas Saunders and will be used at the department's discretion towards the purchase of safety and other related equipment and to fund departmental programs. List of all donors is included in the uh, January 18, 2023 Town Council Meeting Agenda Packet. Now, therefore, be resolved that the Town Council, the Town of Franklin, on behalf of the Veterans Service Department and the Fire Department, gratefully accepts these generous donations to be used at the discretion of each department for the purposes known as above. This resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Move resolution 23 13. Second. Motion is second. Discussion, Jamie. I want to thank everybody, obviously, for their generosity. Obviously. Thanking, thank thanking everybody for their continued generous donations. Okay, seeing no further discussion, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-13. A majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Town Administrator's report. Uh, through Mr. Chairman, so I added in here uh, the latest OPEB actuarial. Uh, we will not be graced with Mr. Sherman's presence this year. We're giving him a year off. There's no need to pay him to come back. The number went up a little bit, but I kind of feel like we're in this tennis match of back and forth, but, uh, but the OPEB actuarial is there for, uh, for this year for anyone to uh, fall asleep to. Uh, the liability is around 74 million. Um, our uh, portfolio still performs very well. We're still well above uh, 90 to 95% of the Commonwealth on this. So uh, slow and steady, just like Stormwater. Um, and then thank, one last thing, Mr. Chairman, I just want to thank uh, you and the entire council for all of your support uh, over the last several days with the passing of my grandmother. I just want to thank everybody for their uh, incredible generosity, uh, the flowers. Uh, my family was extraordinarily humbled um, with so many people coming up. Um, and uh, I just kept hearing from them, my gosh, my gosh, you know, they drove up all the way here from the, in the rain. Um, I got here a little over seven years ago. You invited me into this Franklin family, and this was just another extension of that. And um, I'm also really happy uh, that Danielle qualified uh, the age of the senior center from 55 to 105, because my grandmother was going to turn 104 in June. Uh, so still at 103 in seven months uh, is quite a life. You rounded up. Yeah, I told you, I kept, I was a town manager, I told everybody when they said 103, it's 104, 104, it's only a few more months, but uh, she obviously, as all of you know, had an extraordinarily fulfilling life, and uh, we miss her very much, but thank you very much for all your support, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jenny. Okay, subcommittee reports, I think the only sub, or capital, 
Councilor Pellegrini. Uh, we met through you, Mr. Chairman. We met through uh, tonight, and we were able to go through five different departments. So we will be able to be making another meeting. Jamie will set it up, I'm sure, and we'll go through the rest and then bring it before the council. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. Uh, budget, I know, did not meet. Uh, EDC. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. We well, we didn't meet this tonight before the meeting. Finally, finally, for the first time. But that means we're going to meet next week on the 25th. We start at six o'clock. It's going to be an EDC steering meeting, and we have like a three-hour chunk of time that um, we're going to try to get through some of our <laughs> try to try to get through some of. Um, the um, zoning changes, and, and we're so close that um, hopefully it will be a very productive meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Uh, Kobe, uh, Gatrip, Councilor Frangillo. Sure, yeah, so Gatrip Advisory Board uh, met today. Uh, the big thing is that uh, management services, well, we, we have uh, new dispatching services and new management uh, services, they are your operations. Um, and so starting the end of this month, um, January 30th, National Express will be taking over all operations. Um, National Express uh, bought out Keysling, who have been doing our um, buses, and that a lot of the, senior set, or the seniors love. Uh, is it Mike or Mark? Mike. Mike. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> uh, so still, still on board. They want to. Um, uh, on that bit. Um, yeah, so they'll be taking over all operations uh, in two months. Great. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Okay, uh, before we go to future agenda items, uh, at our last meeting, uh, we identified four new uh, subcommittees uh, that we were putting together and uh, identified the makeup of those uh, different uh, committees. And tonight I just want to uh, make note, uh, assign the uh, council members to each of these committees. Uh, and I want, I want to make sure everybody understands these these committees are going to get going over the next several months. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Uh, there's a couple of the committees that are need to get going right away for one reason or another, and I'll identify those. Uh, but a couple of the other committees, it's going to take time to build the committees. Uh, to go out to the public to find out who's interested in serving on them and the makeup then would go. Jamie would then receive all the people that are interested on serving on these committees. Then he will come back to the council with recommendations and the council then will ratify uh, recommendations that Jamie brings forward. Uh, so, the ad hoc subcommittee for arts and culture, Councilor Frangillo will chair it. Uh, Vice chair will be Ted Cormier Ledger, and the clerk will be Melanie Hamlin. Uh, the master plan committee, 
uh, chair will be Glenn Jones. Kobe Frangillo will be the vice chair. Melanie Hamblin will be the clerk. Uh, and that one, I, I kind of put the uh, a, lot, a couple of the EDC people on it because I think it was a big part of that. Uh, then the Davis there committee and uh, reuse committee. That's one that we put a time frame on. If everybody remembers when uh, we uh, put together the makeup of the committee for a report to come back from them by the end of the year. And uh, Councillor Pellegri will chair uh, the Davis there reuse committee. Uh, Councillor Sheridan will be vice chair. Councillor Coney Ledger will be the clerk of that committee. Uh, then the last committee is the police station building committee that uh, we put together. And I will chair that committee. Uh, Councillor Chandler will be the vice chair. Councillor DeLorco will be the clerk uh, for the police station. So uh, those are the committee assignments uh, for the council. And again, uh, what I'd like to do is the uh, cultural uh, subcommittee and the Davis Thayer reuse, the three councilors in, uh, that are uh, on each of those committees, I would like to meet with uh, myself and Jamie uh, in the next week to 10 days uh, to get this, to get those two committees off the ground. Uh, and then the, uh, the master plan committee is gonna be further out there. And uh, I think some of the uh, cultural committee will then kind of roll into the master plan committee as well. So that's where we are at the moment. Uh, again, master plan will be down the road a little bit. Police station will be down the road a little bit. The two we need to get off the ground are the cultural uh, and art and the Davis there. So that's where we are on that. Future agenda items, Councilor Comey Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just want to throw my support behind at least the town or maybe the police department looking into the complaint of Mason Street. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councilor Chandler. Future agenda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing at this time. Okay. Council Flagler. I just want to uh, go along with Ted here um, that there are other streets in town too that are having problems, but those people aren't coming forward. If they see me, I hear from them. So I wish that other people would come forward. And if we could do something that people do not park opposite a driveway, because you can't get out of their driveway that way. I know it for a fact, okay? So um, that's something that we have to look into as far as for the parking problem. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. Councilor Sheridan. Nothing this time. Councilor Frangillo. Nothing at this time. Councilor Hamlin. Nothing to add at this time. <clears throat> Councilor Jones. Nope. <laughs> Councilor DeLuca. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Councilor Comments. <laughs> Councilor Sheridan. Oh, I just want to thank two presentations. Very interesting. I enjoyed both of them. Thank you. Councilor Frangillo? Sure. Uh, tomorrow is our office hours at the Senior Center. Again, anyone can show up to those office hours. 
um, at the senior center. Uh, and then the Franklin Cultural District Committee, if you haven't seen, Cultural District Committee is uh, putting out for local artists to uh, put some color and some history on our utility boxes. There's a lot of uh, communities that have done this. It's a really cool way uh, to sort of build a, a community uh, vibrancy and presence, and especially if you can loop in some history, um, that would that would uh, make me happy. Uh, and you get a small stipend if you're uh, if you get chosen. So look out for Franklin Cultural District Committee Artsy Box Project. Thank you, Councilor Fondillo. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I actually just want to reiterate what uh, Councilor Sheridan said. Thank you to um, Brutus and the team for their work on the stormwater. I mean, it's been a long time, but um, they always make it exciting. And um, Danielle and Christina, they're still here in the back. Um, thank you for your um, presentation and just like how much you care about about people in Franklin. It's just amazing. Uh, and, and I was going to say, everybody can come down and visit Danielle and Christina tomorrow, and some of us maybe um, at the um, office hours. So um, thank you and good night. <laughs> thank you, thank you Councillor Hamlin. Councillor Cormier Ledger. Thank you. Just want to uh, <clears throat> say thank you to all of tonight's presenters and uh, wish everyone a good night. Thank you, Councillor Chandler. Um, not to sound uh, redundant, but to the director and assistant director, I wanted to um, thank all the people you brought tonight and all the people you recognized that are behind the scenes helping you to do this. But they all left, so. <laughs> Except the one to your right, thank you. Personally. <laughs> um, lastly, I didn't get any text that there was a mic problem tonight, so thank you, uh, Steve. <laughs> I don't know if you got anybody. I think that we all were right there, so that was a good. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Blakery. Okay, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Through you, um, I want to invite everyone up to the museum again. Um, we have up there a past council, Scott Mason, who put together a beautiful, beautiful display of railroads in Franklin, uh, and just to go up there and take a look at it. It's all to size, scale to size. And when he's there, he'll explain everything to you, too. Um, he got pictures and put things that were just unbelievable there. Please take a minute or two and go up there and take a look at it. Let's see. Senior Center, of course, again, thank you very much for your presentation and all that you do up there. And. Um, I wanted to mention the D'Addario family tonight, Jack D'Addario, who had passed away, a longtime um, resident of Franklin, dear friend of ours, his whole family, and um, he did an awful lot for the town. He served on committees and um, donated to the town and different things, too. Uh, so to them and the family, we offer our deepest sympathy. And that's it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Plagri. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, in regards to my neighbors on West Street and the photographs that they sent in, I completely feel their, their pain. Myself living downtown, and I know uh, Councilor Sheridan does too, he lives downtown. Um, but the one point I will make is I, I do sometimes purposefully park two cars 
on School Street just to disallow people from speeding because the, where I live at the end of the School Street, for some reason people seem to think that when they turn the corner coming up towards my house that it's a speedway. I've actually had people go through the stop sign because they, they, they're, they're going so fast and they go right into Union Street. So I even though I don't like to sacrifice my vehicles, I do purposely park them opposite of each other so that they have to disallow people from speeding down my street. I do intentionally, I do that intentionally to kind of slow people down on the street, but I feel their pain having having the students parking in these spaces. It's just kind of one of these things. It's photographs like this that just need to be forwarded to Dean College so that I know Ed in, in, um, in um, Ken would really look at this and say, you know what, this is a valid reason for us to make some kind of intervention with our students. We should reach out to whoever these license plates belong to and see what we can do to try to get this issue resolved. Um, but in regards to tonight, thank you for the presentation on the Senior Center. That was a great presentation. And I would just like to thank my counselors and my chairman for having faith in me and taking on the chair role for Master Plan, which is a really very large document that we've worked on uh, back in 2013. It really sets the goals and, and the, the stage for where the town of Franklin is going. Um, it also, what's nice is we actually get to look back on many of the goals that were established back in 2013 and get to review what, what accomplishments have been done and now gives us an opportunity to set new goals going forward. I'm really excited for that opportunity. I'm very excited for the cultural and art portion of it as well and uh, looking into housing and seeing how we can how we can really look into improving the town of Franklin. It, I know it's going to be an extended amount of time uh, to accomplish that goal, but with I have all faith in our administration and in, in our councils and in, in the community as a whole, because we're going to be really reaching out to the citizens uh, for their help and their support on helping to guide the town of Franklin forward uh, from this point on. Um, other than that, I would just like to thank my councilors for all the hard work they put into making this town council the best kind, one of the best town councils of uh, Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor DeLocco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, also, thank you for the presentations. They were great, both of them. Uh, they were really, really, really good tonight. And I was just sitting here um, thinking, Councilor Hamlin, how long ago it was when we sat on that board with the stormwater? I mean, it seems like it was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was because it was, it was right, COVID. It was right, right before, before COVID, COVID started. I was thinking, man, how yeah. long ago yeah. when we were all sitting down there yeah, trying to get this going? I was like, just that was a long time ago. <laughs> you know? It felt like a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, it felt like a long time ago. But uh, oh, it's, every, come it's, long, it's come years. a long way. And uh, just everything is... Uh, you know, um, I want to wish my brother a happy 75th birthday oh. today, even though he's home with COVID, so I can't oh, go no. see him. Is he your younger but, brother? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it for tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Councilor DeLarco. Sorry for the show. No, that's all right. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, just a couple of quick things. Uh, obviously, uh, the senior center presentation tonight and the energy that you ladies have brought to that, uh, to our entire senior community, is just magnificent. Couldn't be happier seeing that senior center hopping all the time. Uh, and thank you for uh, Jamie and Brutus, Kate and Derek. 
Uh, I think putting together this presentation is going to be something that a lot of Franklin will tune into because I know Oh. If the rest of the council was like me, as yeah. soon as those green letters or those oh. little green flyers went out, the phone They're started ringing. <laughs> uh, and people just don't understand. And it's not for anything other than they haven't listened and uh, they're uh, and they need to. So this is a way to for us to get to more of the community. So and. Uh, lastly, uh, again, I'd like to offer the condolences to uh, Jamie and to the rest of your family and the D'Addario yes. family. Uh, Jack Sr. did uh, has done an awful lot for this community over the years, whether it be athletic teams or donations to the 4th of July or uh, many different things. So, uh, uh, excuse me offer our condolences to the entire D'Addario family. So with that, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Motion is second, non-debatable. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.